0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, a very, very lucky fellow because. Every day, I get to come on the airwaves here on one of the most listened-to stations in America, and I get to follow two people that help make it one of the most listened-to stations in America, two people that have just monstrous ratings. I got to look at the ratings yesterday morning, and again, for the month of February, essentially from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., our station is just totally dominant. I mean, it's not as if... Come 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. we're doing poorly. We're not. But the ratings dominance that our radio station has showcased at night is is extraordinary. And in some respects, I have kind of an easy job. I come after two people that have built an enormous audience, and then they say to me, try not to chase everybody away. You can chase a few of the people away. Just don't chase everybody away. They also happen to be incredibly nice people. And, you know, being in this overnight bubble where I really don't interact with many people, they're two of the few people that I interact with on the station each and every day. Very, very pleased to welcome veteran, award-winning journalist, best-selling author and host of the Rita Cosby Show, heard every night from 10 p.m. to midnight here on WABC, Rita Cosby. Hello, Rita.
2: Yeah, I'm thrilled to be with you. And I just said to you, I'm always wide awake and I'm always listening to your show, so I might as well be in the studio with you here. You well, know, it's I, awesome.
1: I'm so glad that you agreed <laughs> to stick around. And uh, my friend for uh, about 20 years, a veteran broadcast journal- journalist covering New York politics and a WABC radio talk show host every night at midnight, Dom Dominic Carter. Hello, Dominic. Good
3: morning. It's great to be
1: here with you, Frank. Well, it would be even better if we could uh, if we could get Dominic a working <laughs> mic. I mean, try, have it now. Uh, now? No, no? Well, all right. You try know, to try no. to have no. it one last time. One more time. Right. Uh, they, there we there go. go. There Third we go. time there we Trump. Go. Uh, thank you both for coming in. Let me congratulate you both. I don't know if you've seen the February ratings. No, we're learning but it from you. This is breaking uh, news. Uh, I'm sure our owner <laughs> will be taking out one of his uh, patented ads uh, again soon. But uh, again, um, all three of us, the number one talk show in the market, not just the number one news talk, but you incorporate sports talk, uh, Lifestyle Talk, AM, FM, we're doing really well. So it's a real honor to be able to, I'll say, serve with each of you guys every night.
2: Well, you know what? You bring in pizza. You have not served me enough. I'm waiting for lobster and champagne, you know, okay? So so talk about service. Did you
1: see that story on the price of lobster? Lobsterflation is a real big problem. So we, you may be waiting a while. We may have to do even better. We have to wait for our ratings bonus to kick in before we start doing lobster. Now, um selfishly, I'm going to begin by asking you both about something that I'm sure in your decades worth of broadcast journalism you've dealt with here and, and again, I, all day, have been in search of my voice. I've been battling laryngitis. I know each of you, I'm sure, has dealt with this from time to time. Give me some secret remedies. What are your secrets?
2: Um, I usually do a one-handed cartwheel, and then I'll do a push-up, and then I do a back flip. And somewhere around there, my vocal cords have stretched enough.
1: I think, I I can't speak for Dominic, but speaking for myself... I, I think seeing you do all those things would actually cure me of whatever ailments I have.
2: I actually still can do a one-handed cartwheel. I actually did do it not that long ago.
1: I, I think that's um, a way to jen up our uh, our YouTube hits. If you, uh, I'll have to do it sometime. Do I'll have to. Yeah.
2: But you know what? I think, to be honest with you, there's a lot of old remedies. I do a lot of old school. Uh, both my parents were sort of into homeopathic, so I'll try to do mm-hmm. sort of healthy. I'll stay away from salts. Um, stay away from bubbles. Um, as Dom knows, um, one of the we always like you know we all love each other so much here and work together and do uh, you know I yeah, think you guys have
1: like this secret ex- money handshake. I used to think you were <laughs> exchanging contraband oh, or bucks. money or, uh, or drugs or something. I
2: give him we we share. I, this is how night. much I love Dominic. I always give him a cough drop because I always. The word on the street is I have the best cough drop. So I always keep a <laughs> cough drop handy, as you can tell. Um, and I I just think keeping lubricated. And the key is, and this is the hardest thing in talk radio, don't talk. That which is a, is a killer struggle. for me, as you can uh, tell in same, life. Same here. Dominic, <laughs>
1: any secret remedies beyond the one-handed cartwheel not lubrication really,
3: method? Not, not really. But uh, but I, I do – I want to go backtrack to the uh, ratings thing first, right? So we are – Very, very fortunate. Very fortunate. And so, uh, you know, it starts with what Bill O'Reilly and he, he brings great numbers. And then Rita comes and she does great numbers. And then it's on me where I'm not supposed to lose any listeners and I'm supposed to keep them. And then I pass the baton to you. How some way
1: we have been able to be successful at doing this. And obviously it goes without saying a huge thank you to our owner, John Absolutely. Katsimatidis for giving us all this uh, opportunity and for putting us together like and, this. And
3: for, for for John Katsimatidis, Marco Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, uh, uh, Matt, mm-hmm. for coming up with this lineup, you know, in terms of the order that they have us. Yeah,
1: no, no doubt about and it. So,
3: But I do want to admit this one thing. One thing I oh want to admit. See. That I don't think people understand that we are under enormous pressure to deliver period full stop end of story at the end of the day it's informative but this is a business Mm -hmm. and it's a business of ratings
2: and we also all care so tremendously too i mean i feel like you know genuinely i think part of the magic if you will is is that, A, we all love, we're all news junkies. We all love what's happening in talk radio. We love sharing it. We love our listeners. And we really do care. I mean... I'm thinking, I know you guys, too. I'm listening to you, unfortunately, so I never get to sleep. And, of course, so I'm listening I. to Dominic, right? right? So we're like, you two guys keep me up all night. And then, of course, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking, okay, who should we have on the show? And But it's because we love what we do, and mm-hmm. I hope that that translates it Oh, no, I think it two. certainly does. Uh, but, Dominic, I'm not letting you off the hook without a laryngitis <laughs> ma- remedy or tip well,
1: here. What do I, you have for Well,
3: I, I have bad allergies, so I have to get weekly shots, two shots in every arm and I'm like, doctor, I keep having a phlegm in the throat. And she's like, well, all I can do is, is give you the an, an allergy, doctor, uh, give you the steroid shot. And I'm like, oh. And so I, I couldn't get the shot today, even the steroid shot. The, all, all for the sake of having a broadcast voice.
1: See, if I would have picked one of our hosts that was on steroids, I would have said Sid Rosenberg, <laughs> not you, Dominic. I never, you surprised me. We just you learned. surprised me.
2: We just learned. Look well, how I, up W he is. It's he, true. He's not just my friend; <laughs> he's my bodyguard. <laughs> well, I didn't have
3: I didn't have the shot yet, but um, you know, we we have to protect our voices all day long because no voice, no no show.
1: Well, no, that no, That is for sure. Uh, let me ask you both about this Ukraine situation. Both of you have been doing a great job covering that. Rita, I know you've uh, interviewed all the experts. Uh, James Carafano yesterday. You had uh, General Keene on recently. You've been all over this. Uh, Dominic, I know you've been you know uh, playing traffic cop as you field all these view, dueling views on the question of what's happening in Ukraine. From your callers. Tell me where do you think we go from here? How do you think this all ends? Give me a projection of um where the next month or two goes and if you think this will be over in a month or two.
2: I think it's gonna sadly drag on for a while. Um and it's really painful for me personally to see it. And I, I'm both of you guys have known me a long time. I'm always very honest with all our great listeners. Um for me it's you know, I think of my father. My father was one of those young guys with Molotov cocktails in Poland freedom fighter as a teenager, throwing him at tanks like the guys are doing in Ukraine now. Outmanned, outgunned, but fighting with everything they had. And my father lost 90% of his unit. Was one of the lucky ones who survived. Um, but so I think of this fight for freedom and and just it's an amazing story of this David and Goliath. And I just have my my hats off to the people of Ukraine. And I just think with Putin, who is a madman, and I've even talked about the equivalent of sort of the Hitler, you know, modern day Hitler, um, this personality and the new news that Dominic and I were talking about, um, both of us on our shows earlier tonight, that the spokesperson from uh, you know, Moscow from this is a right hand guy of Putin, Dmitry Peskov, who's been with him for years, mm-hmm. basically said, you know, nuclear is not off the table. You know, if there's some existential threat to us, guess what? We're going nuclear or chemical. And it was very calm the way he said it. And I think, sadly, I hope it's just blustering. I hope it's bluffing for the world's sake, because we all want peace. But we're dealing with somebody who is now feeling his back against the wall. He's embarrassed that the Ukrainians haven't surrendered and they're not surrendering. They have that fight that my father had years ago. And when I hear and see this, we're dealing with somebody who has no limits. And I think that there'll be a lot of back and forth before I'm praying there's some breakthrough. But I'm not that confident that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to lead the the world to freedom you know, and find some breakthrough this week. I wish that was the case. Uh, You know,
1: I've been critical of President Biden, and I certainly didn't vote for him. But I do think, and I said this when I was filling in for uh, Sid on the morning show the other day, I do think that uh, Biden gets some credit for resisting some of these bipartisan calls to establish a no-fly zone, because especially with the kind of rhetoric from the Kremlin that you're talking about, uh, from my point of view, a no-fly zone is a, a recipe for ratcheting up the temperature and ratcheting us a lot closer nuclear war. What do you think, Dominic?
3: I agree with you. Um, and I, But Rita made some very, very valid points. And let me just ad- address first, how does this end? What I'm hoping for, what I'm praying for, is that uh, through some backdoor effort, uh, diplomacy, that we wake up one morning and that someone was able to give Putin something that he wants to stop this. That's what I'm hoping for a
2: face saving, some sort of yes, face saving measure, face-saving, yep.
3: a measure, because his military military is not strong. At, he sold us a bill of goods on how strong his military is. They are being exposed right now for their weakness. The Russian military. So that's my best case scenario.
1: Well, it was interesting to see Zelensky yesterday come out and say that they would put uh, joining NATO, take it completely off the table if that puts an end to ho- mm-hmm. the hostilities. Mm-hmm. So uh, fingers crossed. And I'm going to revisit this a little bit more with George Beebe at 430. But Dominic, I know most of your career over the last 30, 40 years or so, you've you've covered politics, mostly American politics, mostly New York politics. How different has this whole experience for you the last month been covering international affairs, which I know you've done a bit of, but certainly I don't think as in-depth as you've been doing over the last month. How different has that been for you?
3: It's a little different, but politicians are personality driven. And whether it was Netanyahu in Israel or, or you know, when he was in power Or Putin and Russia, it's still personality driven, and he is a—he comes across as an absolute madman. I've covered a couple, not—not to that extreme. Don't look Uh, at Frank when you say that, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) And so, so it's—it's—it's covering his personality, and Zelensky is winning the war, the public opinion war, as the good guy, and I know that has to be driving Putin. Absolutely insane.
1: So, Rita, it does seem like the whole West, maybe even beyond the West, has subscribed to the same narrative, which is that Putin is the aggressor here. Putin is the villain. I do want to ask you about what we've seen at, uh, you know, in different international sporting federations, different opera houses, where we see actually Russian athletes and artists essentially being canceled unless they themselves renounce Putin. Do you think that's appropriate or is that too much to ask of an athlete who has no control over an autocrat where their family may still live?
2: Yeah, that's a hard question. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. I saw a poll, um, I think it was in the last day or so, That 90 percent of the Russians support Putin, by the way, because some of them have been very courageous and also protesting in the streets. But it's really tough to go out there, even if you you know, imagine someone calling and saying, hey, do you support Putin? You bet, you know, especially if if it's a polling call. Um, But 90 percent of them also don't support the war. Mm. That I thought was really interesting. So to your point, I think it is a little hard when it's an athlete who's trained his whole life, who hasn't been engaged in politics. Um, but I also, on the flip side... Think that the U.S. and Joe Biden, I think they absolutely should have taken the lead and banned Russian oil. That was blood money. I've always said that that money was funding the Russian military machine, and he was one of the last people to do it. It was a lot of other countries, a lot of places. Trudeau, Trudeau, who's been you know trucker Trudeau. You know, um, he led the charge. He was ahead of.
1: Them. Although Europe's still um, buying Russian energy. Yeah,
2: some of them are, some are not, some are, not, but still, he didn't really take the lead on that. So, so I think. I think there's... Other, and then you got the deal with Iran, too, where they're like funding, you know, I mean, they're getting Russia to broker a deal with Iran. So we're sort of in one hand, we're banning athletes. And then yet we're doing a deal with Russia. It's like it's a lot of it is politics. and A lot of it is show.
1: Tell me about this panel that you're doing right here at noon on Thursday. I know the video is going to be at wabcradio.tv. Uh, people can listen to it at wabcradio.com. What is it exactly?
2: Yeah, this is going to be a blockbuster panel. And we put it together very quickly because of, of events that are happening. Of course, Thursday is the big day in NATO, and let's pray. That you know, President Biden and NATO comes to some solution, find some face saving measure or something comes about. Um, but we are going to be doing on wabcradio.com. We're also going to be streaming it and showing it afterwards um, with the consuls from Ukraine, consul from Poland, consul from Estonia, who was one of the first to call for the no-fly zone, um, consul from Slovakia, um, and also the basically Vatican ambassador um, to the UN. And Zelensky spoke to the Pope a couple hours ago. So these are all all really key consoles, active ambassadors and consoles so who are be right in the thick Thursday event. at noon. Thursday at noon, and it's going to be live on WABC. And what a day to have radio be, On and radio and on the website. Yeah, so make sure everybody tunes in. The, the website, we're going to be doing highlights later and the full thing later, but you can definitely listen to it on 77 WABC Radio. That will be great. It's going to be fascinating. And it comes as we're also doing a big drive. Um, led by John Katsimatidis, our great owner, and Margot, of course. Um, raising money, humanitarian efforts. John has been willing to match it also uh, for the first 25000 He's actually going to match it oh, one-to-one, wow. which is really great, 100%. 100% of the proceeds Wonderful. going to help humanitarian. Do people donate
1: through the website?
2: They can go to the website. It's already up, and it's wabcradio.com slash donate, wabcradio.com slash donate, and people can donate, and all the proceeds are going to humanitarian efforts – for the Ukrainian that, people that
1: is great I mean whatever people might think about the idea of military aid when you see people losing their homes like this forced uh, to flee innocent people dying uh, for a war they never asked for humanitarian aid is um, is certainly needed now more than ever uh we're going to take your calls throughout the hour eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 when we come back I want to ask uh, Dominic and read a little bit about the crime situation New York is experiencing what's the solution what's the politics of that situation and Could uh, New York's least favorite former governor be planning a comeback in the coming weeks? This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno here with Dominic Carter and Rita Cosby straight ahead.
4: W.A.B.C.
1: Never in that place, the song is uh, "Don't Speak." By no doubt, it's a dream come true from that place you not able to yell at everybody. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno here for The Hour with Rita Cosby. You can hear her every night from 10 p.m. to midnight. I listen on my way in, and then Dominic and I listen together as we do our show prep. Uh, Dominic is on every morning from midnight to 1 a.m. Who
2: listens uh, more closely, you or Dominic, to my show uh, since oh, you oh, listen to it together? Oh, Dominic. I oh. want that picture of you, 2 <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're huddled around the radio. <laughs> she, she taking notes. Taking notes. What can I steal a little what bit can later? I steal? Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Let That's me. The best form of flattery. It's true. Let me ask you about the situation involving crime in New York. We saw an uptick in crime in New York going back even before the pandemic began. A lot of people attributed this to the bail reform law that was passed in 2019. And it's led to, over the last three years, sort of a backlash against the bail reform law. Legislators who wrote the law, like Todd Kaminsky, running away from it. Governor Cuomo, who signed the law, running away from it. Uh, Democratic politicians in Democratic cities, like Eric Adams, saying, I, I want nothing to do with this. The police commissioner, who he appointed, saying this is bad news. And now there's been a tremendous backlash against it. Over the last week or two, there's been... I'll call it a backlash against the backlash. The city controller, Brad Lander, has issued a new report saying that rising crime in New York City is not fueled by bail reform. This, the same week that Governor Hochul has released a 10-point plan to reform (laughs) bail reform. Uh, Dominic, I know you chronicle this on a daily basis. Give me your take on what... Um, the, the controller Brad Lander and some Democratic state legislators saying in that bail reform is not responsible for the uptick in crime. And then give me your take on the substance and the politics of Governor Hochul's proposal.
3: One, uh, the city controller uh, Brad Lander uh, is far, far, far left, and um, I, it's my contention that's why he won this race. You, you had Corey Johnson, the former a speaker in this race, a number of candidates. So for for Mr. Lander to come up with a report saying, basically saying that don't blame bail reform is not surprising. It, it's, you, you know, that, that's what you would expect. It's sort of like him. when you
1: know what answer you're looking for, exactly. you,
3: you can come to a report that it, says Exactly. That. The fact of the matter is, listen, you can defend keeping the status quo the way it is, but people are dying, literally. And something has to give, and so I give uh, Governor Hochul credit for coming forth with her ten-point plan. Now, the legislature, in all likelihood, is not going to do anything about it unless it's tied to the budget. But so, so, so we'll see. But I give her credit, Frank. Rita, something has to get done. We cannot continue along this path. I don't care what report you come forth saying that you know that it's a good system, the new way. It's not a good system.
1: Rita, uh, what do you make of the people, the legislators, the controllers, some people in the media? They're saying bail reform is being un- unfairly blamed for the uptick in crime because they point to other cities that have seen a similar uptick in crime that haven't done this sort of a bail reform. And what do you think of what Governor Hochul proposing here?
2: Well, I think, well, first off, on Governor Hochul, I think I'm glad she's coming through with her 10 point plan, um, but she still also has over Alvin Bragg and she's kind of trying to have it a little bit both ways. Again, it's also election time. She's got a primary coming up. She's got, you know, the the general, we'll see what, who comes into the primary too. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening at the same time, but she also oversees the DA. And remember, early on, she met with Alvin Bragg and I talk about it, you know, on 77 WABC. I mean, I think Alvin Bragg is like the poster boy for like giving criminals a free pass and Georgia Gascon too. Same thing. I've God, I had the deputy DA under George Gasco and under my show who's pushing for a recall because mm. he couldn't believe what he was allowing to go through. And these are repeat offenders, violent repeat offenders. These are not like they stole a little piece of candy at a store. These are violent offenders. So she had a chance to go to Alvin Bragg, had that meeting with him. And afterwards, she said, I'm, quote, cutting him some slack. So I say you know, OK. Rep- first of all, I don't think that was the right answer at that moment. Um, crime is skyrocketing. There's no question across New York and many major cities across America. And it can't help that you're giving them a free pass. Anybody who has handled crime cases. Um, and I have interviewed many people behind bars. All of us have in our careers. You can't say, okay, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you know, there is no way that not teaching them a lesson and not getting tough love and the sort of broken windows theory that we saw from Bill Bratton, letting them know early on there are repercussions for their action. Stopping that process in its tracks early clearly sends a message. And I don't think it helps. And I think. Brian Landers, absolutely, as Dom was saying, I'm sure he got elected for that policy. So did Alvin Bragg. So did uh, Maya Wiley, almost a heartbeat away at one moment from being mayor, remember, early yeah. on in that wave. Um, but... That is not helpful, I don't think, at a time. And New Yorkers want to feel safe. And it certainly doesn't help. You have to care about the victims more than the criminals. Yeah,
1: You mentioned the upcoming primary election for governor. One of the people that's running for governor squarely to Governor Hochul's left is Jamani Williams, New York City's public advocate. He was talking about bail reform. He's one of the folks that uh, believe bail reform is being unfairly blamed for the uptick in violent crime.
5: New Yorkers have a right to be angry and they have a right to be afraid about what's going on. The high profile cases that people bring about it. generally, we find out, it had nothing to do with bail reform. And even some were bail eligible and judges didn't set the bail.
1: Uh, Dominic, you talked about how Brad Lander and um, Alvin Bragg sort of rode that criminal justice reform strategy to big wins in the primary last year. Is that a scenario that Jamani Williams can ride to the Democratic nomination this year?
3: No, I believe uh, Mr. Williams is running for name recognition. You have a number of elected officials that when they can have a free run and we all know a free run means that you can keep your current job because the election cycle does not match your reelection bid, so that means you could run for another job well, without giving up and, your seat. without giving up your seat and so Jamani Williams is and frankly you know he he went from being a minor player in politics to public advocate so so you have to give him credit for the name recognition game, but beyond that. I, I don't I don't see much at all at all. I, I don't see any scenario, not a single scenario where he could win the Democratic primary for governor. Eight
1: hundred eight, four, eight, nine, two, two, two Roberts in Philadelphia. Hello, Roberts.
3: Hello, folks.
6: I thank you for t- uh, thank you for letting me call real quick. Nine to two was always a big hole for me. I'm in my car all day. I'm depending upon my radio And you three saved it. I look forward to 9 to 2 every night to listen in, sometimes call in, some of the best talk radio
7: i've heard and i've heard them all going back 30 years i just wanted to say thank you guys enjoy your success you've earned it and i'll be listening tomorrow Uh, that's very kind
1: robert the only problem is we need you to stay listening until 5 a.m you can't you can't go (laughs) to sleep at 2
2: and make sure you start at 10 p.m okay robert we love your calls by the way robert calls and robert you give us some of the greatest calls too we love your opinions.
6: I appreciate you guys. I very much appreciate you guys.
3: Hey Frank, you you know what's very and Robert, we appreciate you. You know what's very interesting about the conversation we're having right now? This is such a competitive business, Mm. radio, where either one of us at this table could fall off and in all likelihood may fall off. At some point in the upcoming ratings. And so the fact that we're all doing exceptionally well, you know, we we, we got to enjoy this moment. And we have to say thank you, as you both did, to John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis that came up with this lineup, and and Chad Lopez that came up with this lineup. But, you know, we're trying to enjoy the moment because, you know, the next book, anything can
1: happen. That's right. Uh, You're only as good as your last game, right, Or or your last ratings book. Let me ask both of you a little bit about your professional journeys and getting here. Uh, Dominic, obviously your career on um, New York One, on RNN, elsewhere, very well-known. Rita, your work at Fox and MSNBC, elsewhere, very well-known. But most of the work that you've done in broadcast journalism has been sort of as straight news reporters, delivering the news, doing compelling interviews, telling people what the news is, making news with newsmakers. Now I listen to both of you about three hours every day, and you do a substantial amount of giving your opinion. Was that a difficult evolution for you to make? So having spent so many years trying to be sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a you know an, a, an unbiased umpire of mm-hmm. world affairs, to then go from being an active participant in shaping opinions.
2: You know, I find it really liberating. Um, both of you guys have known me a long time, and and I think our listeners and Robert who just called in, I'm very much myself. You know, I've always sort of believed, and even when I was. Uh, you know, um, solely doing even just TV. I was always very much myself, um, and always do, did a lot of unscripted shows or where it was, you know, where maybe the lead in would be there, but the rest would be open and you could have some interjection. But. I do find it extremely liberating, radio, the intimacy of radio I love, the one-on-one experience. I learn so much from our listeners. We have, mm-hmm. I think, the best listeners in the world. No I really do. And I learn. And so to me, that one-on-one exchange is, is neat. At first, you're right. At first, you're sort of, you know, you're used to doing sort of the news perspective. Um And I think at first it was like, Oh wait a minute. And then I was like, you know, heck, I'm I there was some topic I can't remember. And I was like, I can't hold back any longer. I'm gonna say what I think. And now it's like every day I feel like I like, you know, I, I get behind the car and I'm ready to take off, you know, like a rocket ship. Um but I find it really liberating and really fun. And I just think there are some things as we were talking about Russia before, um and what's happening with the invasion on Ukraine. To me, you know, sometimes yeah, there are things where there are both sides. But when you see good and evil, to me, there's really only one side to be on.
1: Uh, Dominic, what about you? Did you sort of have to retrain your natural instincts a bit? Absolutely.
3: It has been an extremely difficult process for me. And it's an ongoing process. For many, many years, I have been taught from school to the job i had, that you frame the news, you cover the news, but you don't give your opinion. That's what I was taught. And so then I come here to WABC and they're like, no, 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 no. You gotta give your opinion. And I'm like, oh, my opinion? It's almost like you can see my skirt, you know, or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so for example, here here's a good example. So a great listener Uh, reached out to me on Twitter and he says, Dominic, it sounds like you are a um, supporter of Biden. Why won't you just say it publicly? Right. And so this is a learning process for me. So the caller evidently or the person on Twitter was not aware of past shows I've done where I've been highly critical of Biden. And I'm under the assumption that everybody knows that, but they don't. People only know what have you done lately. So to answer your question directly, it's an ongoing process for me of giving my opinion, and I I can't even fake it. It was a very, very difficult process.
1: Uh, Let me go back to the local scene with the governor's rights for a second. Governor Andrew Cuomo is looking a lot like a guy that wants to mount a political comeback. He's running ads all over television. He's given a number of speeches, spoke at Ruben Diaz Jr.'s uh, Senior's church in the Bronx. He is has campaign mottos ready, like cancel, cancel culture. He's speaking out. He's tweeting on different issues. But uh, obviously, he's got a calendar to deal with. Democratic petitions have to be filed by April 10th. At this point, do you think Andrew Cuomo is going to run and... How do you see a race with Cuomo versus Hochul, Williams and Swazi shaping up?
2: I have two words, Mary and Barry. Mm. So the answer is yes. And Mary and Barry, as you guys know, was the mayor in Washington, D.C. He got caught with uh, a lady of the evening while
1: smoking crack, right, Right while
2: smoking crack. And you would say this guy would never get elected again. You know, I mean, it was like all on videotape. Remember, the blank set me up. It was that famous, you know, that whole thing. And I remember, you know, I remember people saying, oh, he's going to run again. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I was like, wait a minute. This one, there's no way. Sure enough. He runs and he wins again. And I remember interviewing people at the time. And I've interviewed Marion Barry. I, I knew him when I was in Washington, when I covered White House and Capitol Hill for Fox News. And I remember asking people, why did you pick him? And they were like, well, because he came to my yard. He came to my school. He came to my community. And I didn't really care about any of this other stuff. I, it was really amazing how they compartmentalized. So to answer your question, Frank, about Cuomo, I think my gut is listening to him and hearing him and his speech, as he recently did at Ruben Diaz's church, senior church, and the other one he spoke at another church, you know, soon before that. He says, these people were out to get me. I was all set up. Um, the charges didn't go through. Um, of course, if you talk to the DAs, there were other reasons for it, but he says the charges didn't go through. He is sounding like a man who's on a mission. He has all this money in his war chest. It's like, what does he have to lose in his mind? And he's already heard all the smears and all the comments in his mind. Um, and he, I think, is going to go forward. And I think he sees Kathy Hochul vulnerable, very different personalities. He's a very, uh, you know, boisterous speaker. Right now, you know, she's a little more low key. That's why I think in part she's trying to do the bail reform. He's saying he owns like fixing, cleaning the streets, even though he was one of the people who helped, you know, basically craft the bail reform and the sexual harassment, uh, you know, new legislation and all that, too, ironically. But he's trying to say, put all this aside, I'm going to fix New York and I'm the speaker. I'm the person who can galvanize. I think he's going to do it, Frank. My gut tells me you don't know, but... I think he's got money and I think he's got ambition to come back.
1: Is that the best case scenario for the Republicans running the return of Andrew Cuomo?
2: Yeah, I think so. But I also think, you know, Kathy Hochul, you can't rule that out because, yes, she has, um, you know, turned the corner a little bit on bail reform. But you can already see, you know, and you have already see them all over the place from Andrew Giuliani and from Lee Zeldin and others saying, you know, I'm the ones who are tough on crime. I'm the ones who are this I think almost any Democrat is going to get hammered big time. This is, uh, I think, a Republicans haven, if you will, because crime is sadly so bad in New York. We all see it every day on the streets. Um, you know, people are worried inflation. There's so many issues right now that I think, you know, on the local level, on the national level, they can go after. But you know, he's trying to kind of reinvent himself and do the Mary and Barry. Put that all aside. <laughs> what do you think,
3: Dominic? The Andrew Cuomo that I've known a very long time If you think that he's going to let the narrative sit the way it is currently, that's not going to happen. Um, what's against him is the timetable of early April, April for petitions. So I don't I, I believe with all my heart he's going to run. It's about vindication. He, in my opinion, wants to take Kathy Hoku out. The Andrew Cuomo, and I haven't talked to him lately. He probably feels, knowing the Cuomo that I know, that she's been disloyal in the way that she's acted uh since she took over. And uh and I, I don't know how he could govern because The Cuomo that everyone was afraid of, those days are gone. Mm -hmm. So if he's elected, he can't come in as the 800-pound gorilla because, frankly, if he's elected, people are going to laugh at him.
1: Right. He doesn't have the media darling status that he did during COVID. Right. Right. He doesn't have the, you know, the partnership in the legislature that he did. Right. He has an adversarial controller and attorney general. Right. I, I, you, all good points. Uh, we'll, we'll take your calls in just a minute. 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Frank Moreno here with Dominic Carter and Rita Cosby until 1 o'clock. Straight ahead.
0: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank.
8: This
1: is a real treat. Sitting between a dancing Dominic Carter and Rita Cosby. And yes, I'm awake. Usually I'm asleep when uh, I'm standing between the two of you guys dancing. Um... This is The Other Side of Midnight. Dominic Carter and Rita Cosby here with me, Frank Moreno. We are on till 2 o'clock. I mistakenly <laughs> said 1 o'clock earlier. Uh, Taking your calls at 800-848-9222 if you want to weigh in on any of the subjects that we've touched upon thus far. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John.
5: Hello, sir. Uh, you know... My school, my, I'm a I'm little older than you guys, John. Why, was, why do you
1: call in as Peter in the village and Peter in Manhattan, elsewhere, and then as John in Brooklyn today? What's my
5: last name? I, I see. Let, we sorry, never, na-
1: we don't let you, we don't not let you through as Peter. Uh, why did you me, feel the need let to? Let me like my point. I'm not huh? being
5: offensive anything. Yeah. When I was a kid in school, my white teachers used to tell us that the public owned the airways. We give the government the right to lease it to companies. My question is to your those formidable staff, why are there no blacks calling or involved with the station?
9: What, why? I think why there are. Why
5: are there not? Why is there never a number of black callers on this station?
1: Well, it's not true. I mean, I, it is true. I, well,
5: I, I, I
1: don't check the race of so every I caller you should that look we, at we
5: take. Ratings. I think you should look at your ratings. I, th- uh, I,
1: I am. Everybody's listening. Okay, that's the one thing that's bringing say, people together.
5: Dominic, you're a one-shot pony. And That's so the, the real reason one. why he didn't every identify night, himself. Wait, because when, he because, when he,
3: because I'm, I'm going to let you finish. It's not no, my no, show. No. It's not my Please, show. It's Frank's show. But he he calls and, and says I'm a one-shot pony and that, you know, I only talk. See, this is the problem in the black community, to be honest with you. Because nobody wants you to say anything about the
1: problem. You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't think it's a problem that's unique to the black community. Rita, I don't know if you've noticed the sort of tribalism that's taken hold in America. It seems like you can't deviate one centimeter from from whatever people perceive your ideology or your group to be without being just hammered, not by the other side, but by your own side.
2: Oh, yeah. And also, what about families like who can't get together at Thanksgiving or Christmas because they're on different sides of the political spectrum? I I just want to say one thing about my colleague and friend, um, Dominic Carter, um, and especially to John or Peter or whatever your name is. Um, First off, um, Dominic is one of the most fair, decent broadcasters, I think, out there. It's so true. And and we have callers, I know, onto my show, I know to your show and, and your show, Frank. We have, I don't ask what color no. or creed mm. or whatever. And in fact, I welcome, and I know you do, Dom, and I knew you too, Frank, all opinions. And that's why I think is part of our success, that we like to hear from everybody and we learn from everybody. Um, but to me, that's an outrageous comment. And Dominic is one of the agree. best out and, there. And I,
3: I just want to deal with it as well. One, the three of us, everyone on the station we take calls in as they come in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I welcome calls from, from every community, every community. There's only one person that I will not ever take his phone call because of, of, of things that have happened. But any caller, you know, whether you want to argue black, Latino, white, whatever the issue may be, whether you're for Biden, whether you're against Biden, whether you love Trump, whether you hate Trump, we all take the calls. And so and, and as far as diversity, right, it, and I've said this a million and one times, it's a new day at WABC in terms of you walk around here. And this radio station, thanks to John Casimantini's Mongo TV's looks like the city that it serves on any given shift. So here, here's something that I laugh about, right, that I never that I've never talked about on Friday nights. Right. People say, oh, sometimes they'll call me up Oh, Dominic. You're no blacks on W.A.B.C. on Friday nights when I'm on. It's an all black crew. Mm-hmm. I laugh. Because people, you know, basically, there are others, but on Friday nights, most of the times, we have a black engineer, Mm -hmm. at least on my show, and we have a black call screener. And we don't go on the air and brag about that, but that's just the way it
1: is. Yeah. Uh, Philippe, just to be careful, no more black callers for the rest of the show. (laughs) 800 848 WABC, Pete on Staten Island. Hello.
10: Hey, how are you? My three favorite people. Frank, Rita, and Dominic—is that who are? Again, I'm going. I'm going for the trifecta. I spoke to the twoiest tonight. I had the pleasure, and of course to my friend Frank, my fellow Stanaliner. So, how's everybody doing tonight?
2: We're doing great. Now that we're hearing from one of our favorites, Pete. That's awesome. What's what you on your mind, Pete? <laughs> uh, nothing. You know, no, I. Uh, I'm glad you
1: called. The-
2: yeah, well, you know, I'm seeing
10: a little improvement. Now. I'm over here on Jersey Street and a little bit of a crazy neighborhood, and I'm seeing a little improvement. I saw a nice bust of a couple of guns today down on Jersey Street. So there is a little improvement going on here, but there's a lot more guns out here because all these people out here, they have guns and nobody messes with them because they know they all have guns. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not the answer.
1: But uh, it works. But, yeah, I don't recommend that as a crime reduction strategy, is arming everybody. Uh, Eric Adams, in fact, the mayor, has released his new anti-gun unit, similar to the anti-crime unit that Mayor de Blasio did away with. He went to Chicago this week to meet with the mayor there, Lori Lightfoot. This is what he said about meeting with Chicago's mayor.
9: This is not touchy-feely and saying, uh, let's ignore the crime that we're facing. No, we're saying the way you deal with crime is to prevent crime while you're dealing with what's taking place right now. And it's, a, it's an entirely new way of thinking about public safety.
1: Do you think the fact that Eric Adams is going all over the country so early in his tenure shows that he has some national ambitions? And what did you make of the fact that of all the cities that he would visit, he would visit Chicago, which is not exactly known as a bastion of you know, public safety.
2: Yeah, that's true. Well, he was in Washington not that long ago, too. So he's continuing that pattern of of cities that have had a lot of crime issues. But um I think, look, I think, yes, I would not be surprised to see him looking at the next level, uh, maybe after his tenure, this tenure. Already he's gotten national exposure. I mean, he's gotten so much incredible exposure from a volume perspective and all the media right after he was elected, all the national shows and all the local shows. Um, and, and I think let's see though what he can do too. Um, he's got a tough balancing act because He's saying, yes, I want to do this. He's bringing back the anti-gun unit, despite Black Lives Matter, who has not been happy and a number of other groups haven't been happy with necessarily some of the things he's done. Um, He's talked about changing bail reform or at least having an impact, but then yet isn't in the position to really do it, to change Alvin Bragg. It's Alvin Bragg. So he's – let's see. He's trying to sort of thread the needle But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him running for something else down the road. And you're right, Lori Lightfoot is not necessarily, you know, talking about crime. I hope it can have an impact in both of our city and also in Chicago, that visit. But we'll see.
1: What do you think, Dominic, of this trip to Chicago? And it does seem that Mayor Adams has sort of enjoyed sort of uh, uh, poking the cage of the left wing in the city. He uh, basically um, snickered at their objections to his appointing three people, free pastors that were anti-gay. Uh, he had no problem uh, taking issue with, uh, a, you know, the the arguments in favor of bail reform. He's been very, very vocal criticizing the left uh, and saying that uh, and specifically calling out the AOC wing of the party.
3: That's That's been a good thing, but the jury is still out on Eric Adams and frankly the time uh, of talking, Mr. Mayor, that that's about up. We, we want to see answers. Um, no more press conferences, you know, uh, especially no more press conferences talking about mine and my city and my police department. And knowing the mayor, if he's listening right now, that means he's going to do it. again, just to defy (laughs) what I just said. But, um, The the jury's out. I'm wondering if you think his sort
1: of uh, tussling with the legislature over crime could make it more difficult for him to get an extension of mayoral control of public schools.
3: Possible. Possible. He's doing the right thing taking on Albany. You you can't deny that. He's not going to be successful, but he's
1: doing the right thing taking on Albany. It's certainly going to be interesting. 800-848-WABC. John is calling from Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hello,
11: Rita, especially. I love you. Uh, I mean, I love the three of you. But, but you love, you love me more, right? Divided. We don't blame you, John. <laughs> we don't blame you. <laughs> I, unfortunately, my loyalties are divided because I listen to a, another radio talk show host who has my first name on another station. So I How can't dare you. hear you all the time, Rita. But I was wondering and... Uh, I, I had already mentioned this to Dominic last hour. That uh, surprisingly, the Ukrainians are coming back. They are starting to push the Russians back. They have already taken taken over a suburb of Kyiv that the Russians had seized. I was interested in your comments, and, uh, and uh, Frank, when you in interview BB I hope you ask him about this too I'm I'm interested I certainly you, will
1: buddy. I certainly will thank you John uh, any reaction the Ukrainians seem to be doing pretty well the, their forces claim that they retook this key uh Kiev suburb uh, yep. I mean but uh, don't you think it's a function of prolonging the inevitable or do you think they can actually beat back this Russian invasion.
2: I think um well John was talking about the suburb that's sixty miles west. It's a port city mm-hmm. and it's a key area. So that is a big deal that they took it back. And any time they take back a city and they haven't surrendered Mariupol, which is amazing, which is getting bombed like to hog heaven, um, you know, the Russians keep saying, hey surrender, they're pounding. They are literally pounding, John. A hundred bombs a day in Mariupol, this pound this port city. Um it's incredible. And I'm not sure if it is the inevitable. Really? You know, okay. I would have said early on that, you know, they're just gonna get slaughtered, that no matter how much will and courage, and, and I've been in awe of them and, and I'm amazed with Zelensky, um, but they were so outmanned and so outgunned by the Russians. But the Russians, as we were talking about earlier, have not really stood up to the test of time, to the legend of this amazing military might. Um, the U.S. has been finally kind of getting their butt in gear and getting the weaponry, um, as are other European countries. And I actually think this may be a – it's a prolonged fight. I don't see a quick solution unless something big breakthrough happens again that saves face. But – I think there is a chance if they get the military might, you guys. And to John's point, um, they are now finally getting some of the weaponry from the U.S. Um, one of the key things are getting air defense. They're not saying even on the no fly. I think they know that right now they're not going to get the no fly zone. But they're like, give us the MiGs. And Poland has offered to give them the MiGs. They wanted it to go through U.S. because they didn't want Putin to suddenly go after Poland. But if we can get them, I think, the weaponry that they themselves can control so they can control the skies and shoot down with these S-300s. They're like patriots, basically They're Soviet style patriots. Slovakia wants to offer it to them and they probably will do very soon. And U.S. too will help somehow get this through to them. If they can do that, they may have a real fighting chance.
1: Any, Any any reaction to that, Dominic, anything you want to add?
3: I I just don't see the scenario, Rita. Maybe I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and, where, I, and I hope where, I'm right. <laughs> where, where the U.S. is going to back any weapons directly and to Ukraine. Well,
2: they're already doing that, like some of the stuff, not the MIGs, obviously. Right. But if they would maybe after this meeting, I'm wondering, Dom, if after this meeting with NATO, then maybe the decision is we're not going to give them the MIGs, but somehow we'll allow and really encourage Poland to or somehow really because they've sort of said, Poland, you can do it alone because they, you know, Pol- but Poland's don't want to take the the throwback from Putin being the only ones going after, but maybe there's some negotiated way to help get them the hardware because it has been incredibly gutsy as John was talking about.
1: Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Go ahead, Dominic. Before we no get
3: no, t- I, I was just going to say that we'll, we'll see what happens. We're all hoping and praying for, for Ukraine and and you know we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Lamar's in Manhattan. Hello, Lamar.
9: Uh, good evening, Frank. I don't know if you recall, but I tried to uh, speak with one of your guests the other night, uh, Colonel Wilkerson. Uh, Miss Rhea has also had on military men who are now currently media analysts. I would just like to say that uh, the uh, opinions and assessments of all these honor graduates of the War College and the CGSC notwithstanding – and the uh, current lack of elan in the fighting order of the russian ground forces notwithstanding the russian federation is not to be taken lightly and vladimir putin is clearly not a man to be trifled with i would like to remind everyone that there is no greater blessing than peace, and no greater father than entering to war lightly. The nuclear arsenal of the Russian Federation So, Lamar, is
1: what is the public innocent. policy implication of what you're saying? I think we're all for peace, we're all against war, we all recognize mm-hmm. that Putin's not somebody to be trifled with, but so what? I mean, now that we all agree on that, where do we go from there?
9: Well, where we go from there is to the United States, where we have a high command that is composed of officers of flag rank, Three and four star generals who are less concerned with the fighting readiness of our soldiery than they are with the introduction into the ranks of the elite corps, men so-called with female aspirations. This is not the time for this country to even contemplate committing its forces into a confrontation with the Russian Federation. All right. Thank
1: you, Lamar. And my uh, compliments on a wonderful Manhattan accent.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like Bronx. uh,
1: Let me go to another (laughs) Lamar, this time in the Bronx. Hello, Lamar.
2: Okay. Good morning,
9: Professor Morano. How you doing? I'm hanging in there,
2: Professor.
9: Okay. my right.
3: honorary title.
9: Okay. Congrat. Yes. 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 you deserve it. You deserve it.
10: Congratulations. Okay. You know, on the ratings aspect. Okay. To all three of you. Thank you. Okay. Thank all you. Right.
9: Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome, reader.
6: Okay, yeah, um
12: professor, look, did you come up with anything? Okay, unsolved mysteries. That Camacho. I gave that to you the other
1: night. Yeah, it's on the list. It's on the list. Thank you, Lamar. Uh let me try and squeeze in one more call. Can I make an unsolved mystery? Please, yes. Where was
2: the first Lamar from? That's an unsolved yeah, you mystery. You know, <laughs> you know,
1: you don't really appreciate Molly until she's gone and we had to somebody else screening calls. <laughs> Larry's in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry.
6: Okay, Rita, by the way, that wasn't my snoring earlier. It was a
13: dial tug.
6: Um, I
2: I forgive you, Larry. I went to Larry during my hour. And Larry, you are always on it. That's why I was trying to figure out. I was like, what's Larry doing?
13: Yeah, so what I want to say quickly is that the the Biden is putting us all on. Instead of giggling... Uh, it's time instead of Kamala giggling abroad, it's time for the 25th Amendment. I think that's why they're sending her out of the country. You see, Biden will not do what you just said before and, and and consent to do anything. Give the migs because he doesn't his brain is so calcified. He can't think he doesn't want to move to a new point, a new perspective of decision. He doesn't want to have to make a new visit. So,
1: Larry, you think the cabinet the cabinet, is going to invoke the 25th Amendment and install Kamala Harris as president? Um, oh,
14: I see. That's the option. I, 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 right. forgot, I forgot about that. That's, That's an, true.
1: Well, I mean, it's not as if they can install Donald Trump. He's not vice president. Larry, I have to end it there. Thank you for the call. Rita, Dominic, thank you both. This hour has mm. flown by. It has. I hope we can do this again soon. I agree. Absolutely. It was fantastic. And take good care of your voice. You are doing awesome. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Hear Rita Cosby every night from 10 p.m. to midnight. This week, you can also hear her Thursday at noon with this special Ukraine panel. And hear Dominic every morning at midnight.
3: And here's to, I know you got to go, here's to all three of us staying number one, a.m. or f.m.
1: in New York. Amen. Uh, Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it.
0: This
1: Hello everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Well, bad news for those of you who live in New Jersey, or those of us who occasionally drive through New Jersey. There will be no relief anytime soon in terms of gas prices, and you will not only not get any relief in the price of gasoline, but by all accounts, it looks like you will still have to wait in these interminably long lines in order to wait for somebody to pump Your gas. Once again, it appears that the New Jerseyans who don't want the smell of fuel on their hands have won again. Senate President Nicholas Scutari has all but dashed hopes for allowing self-serve gasoline yesterday in a statement to the New Jersey Monitor. What is the New Jersey Monitor? Never even heard of the New Jersey Monitor. But he made a statement. He took the easy way out, blaming public opinion instead of taking a firm stance on this important question. This is the statement. The people of New Jersey are very clear in wanting to keep the system we have now. And there's no data supporting any contention that moving to a self-service model would save residents money at the pump. And then he added, if the public sentiment changes or there is, in fact, data showing that it would dramatically reduce costs, I would reconsider. It looked like this was going to be the year. It looked like this was going to be the year we finally had New Jersey motorists have the option of self-serve gasoline. I drive in New Jersey all the time. I would have loved the option to pump my own gas. And now, not only do I not get it, but you don't either. And he's saying that it's because the public opinion polls show people support the status quo. I mean, I don't know much about this Senate president, Nicholas Scatari. But is that what leadership is? Being driven by polls? No. How about you put your vision for the state before the people? And you say, this is what I'm for. This is what I'm against. You like it? Vote for me. You can help shape the polls by voter education. Why bother having a legislature if all we need are opinion polls? It was Edmund Burke of the British Parliament who said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something to the effect of a representative owes the people that he represents not only his industry but his judgment, and he does them a grave disservice if he sacrifices his own judgment for theirs. And I wish we had a few more Edmund Burks in New Jersey and a few less Nicholas Scattery's. Your reaction, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on the fact that New Jersey self-serve gasoline appears to... Once again, be dead on arrival. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-922430. I'm going to talk with George Beebe, a brilliant man, a diplomat, a policy analyst, a guy that has followed and studied foreign policy closer than anybody. He is um, one of the people I admire most on the issue of European foreign policy matters. How he ever managed to work for Dick Cheney, I'll never understand. However, um, I find him brilliant. And I'm very much... I learn something every time we speak. I'm looking forward to our conversation. 800-848-9222 wabc 7 open lines. If you want to jump on board, now's the time. Vinny is on Staten Island. Hello, Vinny.
15: Hey, how are you? I love the show. And Thank what you. I wanted to tell you is I, I know, Frank, that you're a, a, a Staten Islander also. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it has to do with the revisionist history and the tearing down of statues, just like they they took down the statue of uh, Thomas Jefferson from the City Hall. They took down the Teddy Roosevelt statue from Natural History Museum and now Moses Mountain. And I, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, Frank. Are you familiar with Moses Mountain on Staten Island? I
1: don't, I don't, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I don't think I am. No.
15: Okay, they, they named it after Robert Moses. A lot, of, a lot of Staten Islanders know it. We went there. You know, we, we talked about the history. Well, what they did was they renamed it secretly, and nobody knew about it. Uh, now, all of a sudden, they renamed it after some parks commissioner, and it's all along. If, if, if You can look it up. They tried to rename um, Robert Moses State Park. They tried to take down did the they statue re- of Robert when, Moses when in Babylon.
1: When did they rename Moses Mountain?
15: You, you know nobody knows we were watching Facebook live today, and then all of a sudden they're like uh oh yeah this is this has been renamed it was renamed like i i i, I in the i I think they did it like a couple of weeks ago. Nobody did it. It was all done in quiet and it's all if if you look at all of the um you know I you know I like history and I like New York history specifically and I you know I know about Robert Moses and what kills me is there's so much misinformation about Robert Moses where they tried to paint him as a racist. I don't know if you heard all of that. They said oh, the, the the overpasses he designed them so the inner city people couldn't go, sure. you know, uh, couldn't go upstate. And it 's all lies they they you know and, and it 's nonsense and 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 what does me is People are repeating this stuff as if, as if it's fact, just like they repeat uh, things about our founding fathers, how evil they were, and all of this kind of nonsense. And, and now all of a sudden, I'm like, gee, why did they rename? So I, I went by there today and I looked and I say, yep, sure enough, the sign's down. They put up new signs up. They're like, just completely different. Yeah, it uh, right. Vinny, it's, it's
1: all family. news to me. I, I will look into that. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you calling. And bringing that to my attention, 800 wabc I am curious, really, about your reaction to what this New Jersey Senate president said, though. That self-serve gasoline is not going to happen. Uh, does no one care? Are you happy about this? Are you disappointed as I am? 800
16: wabc Matt, you are a New Jerseyan, right? I live in New Jersey. I am from New York. but Where are you from Jersey, originally? Rockland. Well, I grew up, I was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Rockland County. I moved to New Jersey about 20 years ago. Oh, well, so you're a New Jersey. Yeah, you could say that.
1: Yeah. You live in a place for 20 years. Yeah. That's where you live.
16: I mean, I am a resident of New Jersey, and I think it's uh, the stupidest thing ever. It's, I always did. But if you notice, people that grew up in New Jersey, right. they are the ones that don't want this. They are. They want to have their gas pumped for them. They don't want to get out of the car. They don't want to do it. They don't know how to do it. But here's what I don't understand they can still have their gas pumped for them. Exactly. Just go to a full serve and that's exactly what instead said. of a self-serve. And the, you know what it is? They think that they're getting gypped. In other words, because they don't want to get out of their car, they don't like the fact that the that the pump next to them, somebody who's getting out is going to pay less than they're paying. They don't like that. Yeah, I, I think... And it makes no sense. And let me tell you something, Frank. About a month ago, I went to get gas at 10 o'clock at night. To one of the major gas chains, major, store that's open 24-7, couldn't get gas. All the pumps were closed because they had no one there to work the pumps. I, I, I have been in that situation before. I am
1: not the least bit surprised about that. Philippe, you're in New Jersey, and Ryan, right, you have a New Jersey area code and your number. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm born and raised in New Jersey. And what's your view of this whole situation? Genuinely,
6: I, I don't think I could care any less. Really? Yeah. And it just doesn't affect me. If, if I have to pump my own gas, I'm fine with it. If someone does it for me, I'm fine with it. Actually, it's, I, it's sometimes annoying that people have to pump it for me. Like I have to just sit there and wait in my car. Uh, this happened when I just wait in my car for like five minutes and no one does it. It's, it really doesn't affect my life any, either way, honestly.
1: Well, I, I, you know, uh, maybe you and the Senate president are in the same boat. See, and that's the attitude it of is. people from New Jersey. It is. I wish that uh, they would put questions like this on the ballot. Let the people vote. Let it at least be a, up for a vote, not just decided by a, an opinion poll. I, I think it's a real shame. Make the legislators vote, at least. If the people can't vote, I think the people in New Jersey have a right to know where their legislature l- legislators stand on this issue. 800-848-9222. I uh, really enjoyed having Rita Cosby and Dominic Carter here. That was fun. Something a little different. I got this email from someone that can't stand a lot of the Russia coverage that we've been doing. He's a big listener, but he doesn't like a lot of the Russia coverage we've been doing. And he's just such a clever writer that I have to share this with you. I know we usually share the emails on Tuesday, but I will uh, share it with you here. First hour of show. That's the subject. I can't believe it. Someone, parenthesis, Rita Cosby, just, just spoke on your show for three minutes about the horrors of what Putin is doing to Ukraine and didn't mention NATO once. That's a the other side of midnight record. Fortunately, you brought the other side of midnight back to its home base of no-fly zones and other sidebar issues you substitute for the central one of hospitals being intentionally bombed and the creation of 10 million refugees by a murdering despot who should be tried for war crimes. You snidely dismiss as just the standard narrative what is self-evident reality to 99% of the world. This is Putin's crimes against humanity and nothing else. But we return you now to our regular programming, Bad NATO. So there you have it. Don't ever let it be said that we don't hear all points of view on this show. eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Eddie is in New Jersey. Hello, Eddie.
17: Hi, Uncle Frank. You dragged me out of bed, you know, trying to solicit callers to comment on. This.
11: I apologize. Uh,
17: yeah, thank <laughs> Anyway, I was devastated when I heard I didn't know about this, that they scrapped the bill. And it devastated me. I, my heart dropped because I was hoping this would go through. And I don't know what to say. You know, recently I've been wavering, thinking maybe, you know, maybe. You just the status quo, maybe it's easier. But when my heart dropped, I knew that this is something that I really wanted, and I also really thought that this would be the, the time it would finally go through. But guess it's not going to happen, you know.
1: And uh, did you grow up in New Jersey?
17: I did. I'm I'm pretty young. I'm 19. So then, why don't you oh, buy
1: into I've... this this uh, way of thinking that Matt Blaze described, where everyone that grew up in New Jersey thinks this is the way it should be?
17: recently i did think that the whole world was like that but when i leave state i love i go i go out of the car pump my gas i just think it's so much fun i just it's just the freedom of it's like i feel like they treat us like babies here you know there's no reason for it
1: yeah well eddie i agree with you and i think it's a real shame thank you jeff is in long branch new jersey hello jeff
14: hello everybody hey um you know i new jersey born um baby boomer And, you know, I did a little bit of traveling, but I was in Southern California for seven years in the uh, mid-80s to 91. And that's all self-serve over there. And uh, one thing I say uh, with all the people you get friendly with when you get gas and all the different gas stations, um, you know, it seems like we got in the state uh, people who like to pump gas, and it is something for people to do And versus having to, you know, go in and handle that. Charge yourself. You got somebody there, and it gives them something to do. So the job.
1: So it sounds like uh, you you were agreeing with the state senate president here.
14: Uh, if if they have both options, because that's what it's le- like in California, they'll have they'll have a whole like a, like not a Wawa, but they'll have a whole thing like that, and it might be all you do it yourself, and that you'd have to go into the the store part. And say, uh, give me 50 on, uh, number two, you know, and then, but if you just there, you're taking, you know, the guy's giving you a concierge service. The guy comes up, what would you like? You tell him, he hangs around and uh, fills you up, does the cop up, get your money, maybe give you change if you want.
11: Oh, so I don't
14: like it the fact that there, we have plenty of people who need to work. In New Jersey, a lot of people are out of work. You know, that's what I think is going on. And just to have somebody there and maybe they can't, maybe somebody who's new in the country and they get to learn English at a at a job that they can pick it up, you know, at, a, at their pace. But they're still learning with interactions with people. Uh,
1: uh, Jeff, your view appears to be the majority one in the state of New Jersey. It's not my view, but hey, uh, you're in the majority. Tom is in Connecticut. Hello, Tom.
18: Hey, Frank, um, just a, a late flight into Newark and heading back up to Connecticut and listening in. I, I just remind you, if you think of your history of the breaking up of Standard Oil in New Jersey, which goes back a lot of years, back then a gas station was a service station. And one of the things that came out of the breaking up of the of the Standard Oils was the mandate that there would always be service stations that were, people would pump the gas. So I I I don't know the exact dates of that, but the history of service stations pumping gas in New Jersey is is was legislated a long long time ago, and I and I believe it's very very tough legislation to work around. So just some some thoughts for the evening.
1: Well, I know, but Tom, they could have still undone that legislation with a majority vote here.
18: Um. I'm frank, I'm, I'm not 100% certain of it, but I believe the way it was put in place because of the implications of breaking up all of the oil companies, that there it, it has some sort of precedent. I'm not well, sure well, of
1: that, but, uh, but may, just a thought. Maybe, Tom. You know, there was bipartisan legislation to give New Jersey the self-serve option. So it was there. I mean, let us if there's a constitutional problem, um, they could have passed it and then dealt with it in the courts. They Certainly, politicians have had no problem doing that before. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil.
6: Hey, Frank. Uh, let me say two things. Number one, I, I drove a, a livery for like 30 years, and I would gas up in New Jersey about five times a week. And uh, you, uh, you got to let them start the gas. But 99% of the time, I would get out of the car and, and top it off and, and put the pump back in, unless I would charge it, and you know they would have to run the credit card but it was a paid-to-pump thing. I I would do it myself, and no one ever said a thing. But the second part is, Frank, I I think it really doesn't make much of a difference. Let's say you take 20 gallons of gasoline, and the price went down a nickel a gallon. It's only a dollar. You're talking now about filling up $80 in the tank. And to save a dollar, and when a guy could have a job, I, I really don't think it's a big trade-off, Frank. We're not talking major money here. Well, I, agree, I, mean, with
1: you. I agree with you on the finance. Um, I guess my, my, my enthusiasm for this is, one, that I am so tired of waiting in these long lines while there's one gas station attendant for 20 cars and the gas station attendant has to be the one to pump your gas when you could save a lot of time just doing it yourself. Additionally, it's just... It just so goes against the grain of my love of choice. I want to be able to choose self serve when I'm in a hurry, or want to save a couple of cents, or full serve when I'm feeling luxurious. Sorry, Neil, I didn't mean to hang up on you there. Actually, I hit off. Sorry about that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Jim is on Long Island. Hello, Jim. Hey,
4: Frank. Jim Burke here. We uh, tired school teacher. I want to remind your listeners, and I'm sure you know about this. We used to teach about the Civil War, the pre-Civil War, about the solid South. Remember that phrase, how the South was totally Democratic and, you know, Republicans need not run for office, et cetera. Uh, The caller who called before was complaining about who does and does not call the station must know that a particular part of the cities in this country are eighty to ninety percent, or some number like that, Democrat? There's a severe irony here: the party that enslaved people for a long time is the party that of choice for a lot of people in urban areas. I I, I get so offended when I hear people because I'm always talking. I'm seventy-five years old, so I'm talking to everybody, telling me about how great the Democratic Party was. And I said, "Do you know the history of your Democratic Party? I mean, and every party has." good and bad history. I agree with that. But to tell me that the Democratic Party is the party that's going to help certain people. Well, I, I don't think then, he
1: mentioned the Democrats. I think he was just taking issue. No, with us. But it's,
4: it's there. It's there. I mean, the, the, does the guy not know that your your radio station? I'm not going to say the Republican. You, you guys are very even handed. I'm not going to say that. But it's kind of obvious. I mean, you know, Curtis Lee was running for mayor against Eric Adams. Come on, let's. You can't hide the fact that you know color does come into it. It shouldn't, and it does. But I wish people would just would pay attention to the history of this country. And, and well, I oh can gosh, tell
1: you, Jim, it, when it, I yeah. take a call, I have no idea if the caller's black or white or Indian or Asian or whatever. And everybody's welcome to call this show, uh, irrespective of their race or their uh, religion, their creed, their politics, whatever. Um, Joe is in New Jersey. Hello, Joe.
4: Yeah, I just want to say that they, they uh, the pumpers mess up. They, they just messed it up tonight. They didn't read the rewards card in. And if you deal with a fleet card, you have to tell them what to type in as far as the code and, and the mileage. And you deal with somebody who, who doesn't speak, have the command of the English language, and they don't always get it correct. Wouldn't it be I nice three-
1: to have the option to do it yourself?
4: Oh, absolutely. For the reasons I told you, because tonight they didn't do it right.
1: Uh, What's your reaction to the state Senate president saying the people of New Jersey don't want this, so they're not going to vote on it? Uh,
4: I wish they I wish they did, because unfortunately, I used I I live here. I used to live in New York and uh, I always pumped it myself.
1: Mm. Well, it is a shame, uh, and uh, you know, I think it's a. I thought we were so close this year. Democrats in favor of it, Republicans in favor of it. What a shame, Bob in Westchester. Hello, Bob.
6: Hi, Frank. Frank, get on the. The system will never change due to the fact that women women vote, and most of them don't know how to pump gas, nor check the oil or change a flat tire. They rather have someone to do it for them. That's why it will not to change.
1: Women can vote now? You're kidding. Jeez. I am behind the times. Margaret is in Brooklyn. Hello, Margaret.
19: Hi, and I am so thrilled that we are not going to be forced to pump gas in New Jersey. Um, I have a house, a vacation home in New Jersey, I buy all my gas there because I don't have to pump it. And what will happen is you say choice, and the choice will be that you will pay a lot more for the gas that you have to have pumped for you if you don't do the self-service. I just don't want to be, I'm sick and tired of having to do everything myself. Well, least don't make me pump the gas, Margaret.
1: When I'm in a grocery store or a drugstore or something, and they have the option of going to a cashier or doing the self checkout, I always choose the cashier because I like the human interaction, and I, I kind of feel like I'm saving someone's job. So I am totally uh, sympathetic to the argument of uh, of you know wanting somebody to do it for you. I just uh, I, every other state in the country is able to figure this out, even Oregon. I just don't understand why in New Jersey they they don't want to give people the right to choose this.
19: I I don't know why, but I'm just very grateful.
1: Well, So be it, Margaret. Hey, I guess the the Senate president does have his finger on the pulse of where the popular sentiment is on this. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on this or anything else we've covered thus far. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight at.
0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
4: Never
1: wanna leave Love this song. Love this song. L. King, X's and O's. Um, a great song. Very, very catchy. Hey, you know, I should have mentioned this yesterday. You know what it is? Y- yesterday feels like today, right? So even now, it's now March 23rd, it's only been March 23rd for two and a half hours. So it really does feel more like March 22nd because I woke up and it was March 22nd. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? I think if you're listening to the podcast, you can't relate to what I'm saying. If you're listening live right now and you're always up at these hours, you know exactly what I'm saying. Um. So I should have mentioned this yesterday and I was negligent Yesterday is a day that should have been a national holiday. In fact, I'll say it should be an international holiday, maybe even an intergalactic holiday. Yesterday was the 91st birthday of the, gradi- the greatest Canadian actor of all time. Director, writer, TV pitchman, recording artist, A gentleman who, watching him from the time I was old enough to understand what television is to the present day, gives me goosebumps and chills. William Shatner turned 91 yesterday. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about Shatner when he went to space, and then I spent some time talking about debating Shatner with Sid Rosenberg, because Sid is not a fan William Shatner is an amazing human being and I've seen Shatner's one man show on Broadway I've read almost all of his books both fictional and non-fictional he's my favorite personality maybe ever and I'm thrilled that he's still kicking at 91 and still sharper and stronger than ever and I hope he lives for another 91 years at least love this man Love this man. And uh, he is very much an idol of mine, a hero of mine. I love everything that he's done. And whether he's doing comedic work, dramatic work, to me, there's nobody like Shatner. And um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Shatner and gained a new appreciation of through seeing his one-man show and from reading his books and from seeing interviews he's done, because he used to do a great interview show as well, he's also great as a guest when he's giving interviews, is I've developed such a fondness and an appreciation for his philosophy on life. And he wrote a book about um death. Well, he, he's written a lot of books that deal with the subject of death. He also had a uh, a song that dealt with that actually a couple of songs that deal with with death. And he, I think, I don't think he's a religious man, even though, you know, he's Jewish, but I don't think he's a religious Jew. He's had, uh, so many. So he wrote this one book, Live Long and dot, 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 what I learned along the way. And in it, he delves into the, his, some of his philosophies. On life. And in this podcast with Mike Tyson, I didn't even realize Mike Tyson had a podcast. I wonder if it's worth listening to. I'm gonna to have to check it out. Maybe I'll subscribe. Um you know you know what it is, there's too many decent podcasts now, that's the thing, including on this station alone. You know, if if you fall behind, you just it takes you forever to catch up. Mike Tyson interviewed William Shatner and they spoke about death. Tell me, do you do you think about dying? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's going
9: to be pretty exciting? No. I think it is. I don't want to leave. Really? Well, I'm having too good a time. Oh, I think, <laughs> listen, if this is great, um, death has to be global. No, bit. it can't be. Oh, But um, oh. It's just the cessation of all, of everything, right? I think
20: that's when we reach our highest, um, plateau. And hmm. let me tell you this story. I watched two deep sea divers on a, on film. And they're working on a, um, on the platform of an oil rig. So they're like 800 feet down. They're in hard suits. they got, And they've got the umbilical cord. And there's a boat uh, 800 feet up there, uh, hovering over them, getting air from the boat. And communication and everything. It's their umbilical cord. And the boat is hovering over them by means of a computer. So the computer is running directly over them, and it, it turns left, turns right automatically. Computer goes out. The boat starts to drift. The boat starts to pull the divers along with it as it's drifting out. One guy is clear of the platform. The other guy gets caught in the platform, and the boat, 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 boom. The umbilical cord on this guy stops. He's got a can of oxygen, gives him five minutes of life. He clambers on top of the the half-built platform, lies on top, sucks on the oxygen. And meanwhile, the other guy is saying, we've only got five minutes to get him back. Takes 34 minutes to get him back. The, the diver gets his body, brings the body, brings it to the, the vehicle that's brought them down, gets him into it, and they lock the doors, and, and he's supposed to be dead. He's alive. Mm. And when he comes to, all he can say is, it's alright. The guy's name is Tom. It's alright, Tom. That's what he says. It's mm-hmm. alright. And Tom thinks he means he's okay. When he came to consciousness fully, the guy said, no, I died, and it's all right,
16: mm.
20: was what he said. And I thought, I was moved to tears, because to me, it's going to be painful. To me, you're going to be alone. To me, it's the end of all the good things. All the wonderful, you're sitting here, you finally have done it. You've got the respect of the world. you got the respect of everybody around. You've got it. You've got everything you want peacefully. Why would you want to leave? You don't want to leave, do you? Do you? Wow. Do you want to leave? Why did not you make it like it's frightening to leave and go <laughs> somewhere? I wrote a script in which the soldier, who was a brave man, has a heart attack, has a near-death experience. And in his near-death experience, it isn't white clouds and, and angels. It's demons. We've got you. Come. Well, and then they pull him back. The doctors pull him back. And now, instead of being a brave man, he doesn't want to die. I'm a coward. He leaves his wife and children in jeopardy because he doesn't want to die. He's afraid of dying. That's the
1: story I wrote. Now, you could tell this is a subject that he thinks a lot about, as I'm sure most people in their 90s do. I interviewed Shatner several times over the years, and uh, one of those times was nine years ago. And we talked about his, not death, but his philosophy on life. And I want you to listen to what he says here. And this is—I've tried to adopt this same philosophy and approach life in a similar manner. Uh, what is that philosophy that leads you to always pursue projects that other people might think are too risky?
20: Well, the the the, the premise is that life flickers by so quickly uh we've got two puppies uh that uh, my wife and I acquired uh, they were 8 weeks old about 9 months ago and in the interim time these two little 8 week old puppies have become uh 80 pound dogs Oh wow it, it's over the puppyhood is over so quickly <laughs> of course they're adorable and we love them but like people with children uh who, who, whose childhood is over before you know it life goes by that quickly and and because it rushes by almost before you can grasp it, you desperately hold out your hands and say, hold on a minute, I want to taste every moment I can. And and that tasting, that experiencing life is saying yes to life as against the negativity of huddling back and saying it's too chaotic, it's too dangerous, it's rushing too quickly, and I withdraw. Instead of withdrawing, throw yourself into life. I mean, what can happen? People can, may laugh mm. at you. You may you may get disparaged. But but if you if you are successful, the opposite becomes true, and you do it for the sake of adventure more than anything else. And that's what I'm doing.
1: So. That's Shatner and his philosophy on life. You know, I, I had interviewed him when we were talking about his novel, uh, not his novel, uh, a song that he'd come out, one of his albums, which I love. I think his music is brilliant. I think the stories that he tells in his music is brilliant. I think the manner in which he delivers them is brilliant. And we were, we're talking a little bit about what music and producing music means to him.
11: The
20: album... Uh, when I was asked to do the album, I said, "Well, I'll write about a guy who is in despair, sitting on the shore beside the ocean, and and darkness is approaching. He's an hour away from from sunset, and that gave me the hook uh, to write these songs about the night, the the the, the color of the uh, of the, the sunset, sunset. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and trying on in every song to invest it with." A deeper meaning as well. Just like the words we speak have uh, a surface meaning, and then if you dig down, the very choice of words and the manner of speaking tells you something else. So I tried to level, give different levels to these words and, and, and the readings. And for you to have said what you said in the opening is so meaningful to me because this record is very close to my heart very close to things that i think of and have thought of and and wish to express uh... in, in effect every time i do something now like this i think my kids and my grandkids will remember and and know what it was i was thinking and so this album too is a legacy that maybe somebody else besides my immediate family can uh, cotton onto to and, and gain something well, from it and, and, and enjoy it because it, it's meant to be, uh, first of all, entertainment.
1: So hopefully we'll play some Shatner uh, b- between now and the end of the show as well so you can hear ha- some of his uh, terrific songs and what they've meant to me over the years. You want to comment on William Shatner turning 91. I hope he never dies. And, you know, actually, one of the things that I think he's thought about is actually um, Having himself digitally recreated, his consciousness recreated as a hologram. So you'd be able to interact with him. It would be his voice. It would be, you know, the things that he said. And you'd be able to interact with this hologram after he, uh, dies. I have mixed feelings about that, but if there's anybody that's worthy of being preserved, it's William Shatner. 800 848 Chet is in New Jersey. Hello, Chet.
8: Yeah, Frank. Right. Good buddy. I'm Chet, stand a Jersey fan. Now, I lived in New Jersey. I'm 77 and cloudy, and I was worried about this potential that uh, they were going to make it go to, uh, to self-service on the gas. It's it's um, the people in the state are dumb enough already. They gave them uh, they gave the government a 25 cent increase a couple of years ago to fix the roads, and what has happened then? And it's just amazing, you guys from New York, I see them all the time come over here to Perth Amboy to buy their booze, they're cheaper, and come over here to get gas. It's got to be $0.10 cents t- than New York. And of all the the things that are going on in New York State, you're letting everybody get out, out of jail, or not putting them in jail until they kill somebody, and then it's a pain in the neck to even put them in jail. We're going to worry about the self-service gas in New Jersey? I'm happy they shot it down.
1: Wonderful. Well, I'm happy for you then, Chet. Congratulations. Well-deserved. Fugazi Tom in the Bronx. Hello.
4: Hey, hi. Look, two things. Um, Wouldn't it be nice? Back in the day, in the 60s, the supermarkets used to let the kids come in and bag for the customers, you know, at the end of the cash registers. Wouldn't it be nice if the gas station people... um, knew the kids or the parents, and they would come and, you know, pump gas for the customers. They would have to trust them, you know, and handle the money and everything. You know, that would be nice. Another thing, on William Shatner, you said about hologramming him. Do you know the story about Ted Williams, the baseball
1: player? Yeah, and they froze his head after he died.
4: Yeah, That is so crazy, all right? And so, I mean, if they would let the Jersey kids that they knew from the area maybe pump it gas, I mean, that would would be nice. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm trying to
1: say. Fair enough. Yeah, I would love to be frozen after I die, but it's very, very expensive. And I don't think, you know, uh, I mean, who knows what my financial situation will be at the time that I die. But right now, I'm nowhere close to being able to afford being cryogenically frozen. Uh, I would love that. To be cryogenically frozen, brought back thousands of years from now, I'd love it. Um, I got a kick out of this one post in the Facebook group, and if you want to join the Facebook group, you could do so. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. Daniel writes, regarding New Jersey self-serve gas, who cares? What intrigues me is why is a radio host from Staten Island making $4 million a year is so up in arms about New Jersey gas station. Dan, uh, trust me, if I was making $4 million a year, I wouldn't be concerned about much. <laughs> Least of all the gasoline in New Jersey. I'm making maybe 4 million Turkish lira a year. 800 Phil is in Mendham. Hello, Phil.
13: Hey, uh, William Shatner is a national treasure. I did not call about him, but can you tell me which, I mean, maybe you won't be able to pick out the song from my lame description, but he was like describing, he was kind of rapping a bleak, a bleak landscape, a maybe L.A. type of landscape, and it's a guy and a girl, and he was just kind of talking in a monotone. Well, it's,
1: it's a duet? It's a duet?
13: I don't think so. Uh, yeah, but the other person would have been warbling or singing, and, and, and this guy, uh, Shatner, wasn't harmonizing with him. He was just talking, and there was a back maybe a background humming or, or moaning, but he was the... You funny.
1: know, it sounds it like so funny. that fits the description of a lot of his songs, actually. Yeah, I'm going to have to start buying albums right away. Yeah, you're, uh, if you're, uh, you're looking you're, for you're, one to start with, one that I like is, it's called... Has been it's that's my favorite Shatner album.
13: Okay, I'm going to start with that one because you are you you do have an appreciation for the finer things in life. I'm realizing that now because of Shatner. Uh, Can I move to the thing I was just going to I wanted to make a contribution to an earlier uh, uh, comment? Sure. Uh, uh, I guess the caller that called up and I hear this a lot about, oh, why are uh, inner city people voting Democrats who were there? Oppressors, you know, uh, with all those Dixie Democrats way back and Republicans freed the slaves. But what I never hear people talk about um, is that there was this great switch that happened. As soon as Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat, you know, went ahead and traitorously did the 1964 Civil Rights Act, all the Democrats fled the party and became Republicans. And that was kind of that ended with Nixon's Southern strategy if anyone ever wants to look that up, which kind of cinched the deal. So all of those Democrats at that time actually went to the Republican Party of the modern Republican Party. And so there was this giant switch. So I just think that that shouldn't be left out when we're talking about that subject.
1: All right. Thank you, Phil. 800 848 Jay is in Cincinnati. Hello, Jay.
18: Hey, Frank. I knew you wanted to be frozen because you talk about frozen pizza and frozen bagels. You're pizza capital of the world.
1: What? Well, that's the, your whole comment? Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. Appreciate that. Uh, we, did, I, you know, I, frozen pizza is not my favorite. You know, but sometimes there are circumstances when you need to, for circumstances, you need to indulge in it. So. I don't feel like I talk about Frozen Beats a lot. Andy is on Staten Island. Hello, Andy. Hey, Staten Wow. What a hero. How
21: about those old tapes, Frank? He's such a professional. His recording studio. Uh, Which ones are you talking about? Well, there's when he was doing a film, like the first Star Trek
10: movie.
1: The guys bothering them. There's a producer told them, no, no, no Oh yeah, I've played that before. In fact I uh, Matt Blaze will tell you. I I made our whole staff sit through that uh th- whole three minute uh, diatribe. Uh the, yeah that's
4: when he's saying you
1: sicken me. Yeah, that's right, real. right. Please don't tell me how to do it. It sickens me. Yeah.
4: Right,
21: that is that is a script. That's the guy. Yeah. Hey, man, we got to do that spoken album. You know, now who is your buddy Neil from Staten
10: Island? You, you guys like talking about recording and the man that is going to call up and yell at you both. Beg your pardon. You were talking and
4: Neil. Said to your buddy Neil, was like we got to get together and do a spoken word record.
1: I, just,
4: I call you
1: guys. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't remember that, Andy. But uh, I'm willing to do a spoken word record with you or anybody else, including Neil. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Joseph is in Mill Basin. Hello, Joseph.
10: Yes, good. Morning. Let me shut this radio off. Good evening, uh, morning, Mister Murano. This is my first time calling. Um. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, listen, I, I just got this couple of callers. I just got a notion of a, a memory of something that a movie. Are you familiar with Andrew Dice Clay? Sure. Yes. All right. Now I wouldn't do that. You won't go up there like that. They have to have the gall to do something. But anyway, one of the well, things I wouldn't I just do what?
1: There, I wouldn't do what?
10: Go up there. Oh, I don't know. Say what he says. Right. Well, uh, I kind of well, know the kind of guy you are. Okay. Well, all right. All right. Go ahead. So anyway, he pu- he pulls up in the car and he s- starts talking to the guy that wants to clean his windshield in one of his movies. And he says something. They need him. They said, say what? Something. And he had a college education. So, you know, I was just thinking of that. And, um, you know, by the or whatever. it's all good. Don't worry. You know, we're all alive, you know. Absolutely. So I'm trying to look for some comedy. I figured you would, you would have laughed at that because they, he was a little funny sometimes.
1: Yeah, no, I think he's a brilliant talent I, uh, and a great actor, it was, actually. Like
10: I said, it was, I ain't doing that, you know, but, uh, you know, yes, it's, it's right over here. I, I was in a house not too far from his. It's a brick house in Sheepshead Bay, and uh, the only way to get upstairs was through a spiral staircase. Okay, so when you got up there, the spiral thing, staircase, TV, wow. And, and that's the first time I saw Scarface, the Scarface movie. And he didn't live too far from there either. You know? Uh, yeah, and speaking of over there, whenever I went to Roll and Roaster on the side, okay, I got this vision of something being at the, of the way I was because I was always kind of in my own world, you know? That's like, you know, with the, your back is a little twisty, you're walking this way, you're, you're going that way, perpetrator, whatever, you know, keeping up. You understand? It's not easy, going, let alone going to school, going to work and going through all the stuff. But anyway, listen, I was at Rolling roaster, and I'm looking at the side and I got this vision of, of the movie. And, and plus, um, this place inspired the Scarface movie, didn't it? Yes, it did. But I got this vision of Tony Montana coming out with the guy with the 50 bucks and all that on the side, the dishwasher stuff. Mm -hmm. And look what happens across the street later on.
1: Look what happens indeed. Joseph, thank you for calling 800-848-9222. Patrick is in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Hello, Patrick.
21: Hey, Frank. I just find it kind of unusual that you still haven't seen the Big Bang Theory.
1: Well, look, um you know i'm sure it's great it's on my list the the problem that i have is is time um i i just don't have a, a tremendous amount of time uh, i do one television show at a time and when i finish the television show that i'm watching now i'm happy to move on you know to something else but it's just my time is so limited that uh it's, it's on my list
13: it- It's unusual to me, you being such a Star Trek fan and, uh, you know, uh, Captain Kirk and, uh, you know, every other episode has a reference to Star Trek and Leonard Nimoy. I
1: know. I know. I've heard all about it. And uh, there was a documentary about Leonard Nimoy done by his son. In which they feature several of the actors from the Big Bang Theory and they shoot several scenes on the set of the Big Bang Theory. It looks great. I'm sure I'd love it. I trust the judgment of the people that have told me that I would love it. I have a list and thanks for the call, Patrick. I have a list on my phone. I keep it with me at all times of, let's see, it's probably, let's see, one, two, it's more, probably about a hundred shows that are on here. When I am either independently wealthy or unemployed, I am going to watch each one of these shows. I'm just going to sit there and watch each one of these shows. Binge watch every single one, one by one. I heard people doing do, did this during the pandemic, but I didn't ha- take any days off during the pandemic. I worked a regular schedule. But I, I would love to have like six months to be able to do nothing but watch all these great shows that people tell me about. But until then, you know, we'll we'll wait. You know, I do when my wife and I are ready to start a new show, um, we I let her pick one from this list. And uh right now I'm watching the West Wing. She gave gave up on it, um, but I I stuck with it. So I'm watching the West Wing now, but it's going slow. It's going slow. Busy with other things. 800 848 This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC. I remember the night we met.
15: That night we sat entwined
20: under summer skies. I looked into your eyes. You looked
10: into mine. You said,
9: You're not like the rest. And I nodded.
10: No one understands me,
20: you said. And I nodded once again, as if to agree that all men are indeed the same. Somehow, you
1: said, I was different. different. For months on end, I maintained a veneer of sincere interest. Interest. This is a terrific song. Uh, this is a song called In Love. Uh, this is a duet with Ben Folds. The person that you see, you hear singing in the background there as Shatner speaks is Ben Folds. Now, um, it, what happened there was, uh, Ben Folds had, uh, discovered Shatner's album from 1969, Transformed Man, which is really weird. And Ben Folds fell in love with it. And he wanted to work with Shatner. And he did this one song with Shatner as a cut on Ben Folds' album. I didn't even know who Ben Folds was before that. And I ran out to buy this album. I want to say it was 98 or 99. And I, I waited so long. I went to record store after record store to buy this album. Finally, I got it. And I played it just continuously on a loop. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Love it. And then it was such a big hit that it led to a whole bunch of other albums for him, uh, all of which are great in their own way. All right. Um, as you can tell by the fact that we have had some interesting callers, we are giving you an opportunity to be heard today because I still have this sore throat. I hope it's not too evident to you. I'm trying to speak um, at a low, voice, volume-wise, so that I don't strain my voice too much so that I can make it through the next two hours, but um, I woke up this afternoon around 1. I came home, and my voice was hurting um, as my my throat had been hurting, but I don't think my voice was too affected. I then went home, woke up around 1 in the afternoon. My wife woke me up because my dad was over, and I was wanted to talk with him about something, and I... Tried to talk to him, and I couldn't speak. Couldn't speak at all. I was completely inaudible. So from 1 p.m. yesterday afternoon until 1 a.m., I have spoken to no one. Everybody that called me, I didn't answer. Um, Everybody that tried to talk to me here, I said, you know, I'm not really talking. And, you know, I've tried to do all the things that you're supposed to do. Gargle, uh, lozenges, chloroseptic, throat spray. All sorts of things: uh, gargled with warm water and salt, tea with lemon, tea with honey and lemon. I've tried to do everything that you're supposed to do. I even got these homeopathic um, things that you put under your tongue. It's called Throat Calm that I've been taking. So I'm trying everything. So I'm hoping by this time tomorrow, not only will my pain go away, but uh, I am hoping that uh, you'll actually be able to hear me, and I'll be able to be my normal, loud, buoyant Self, Uh, So uh, I appreciate if uh, if I, I even, and I never do this. I've never taken a sick day in, I don't know, my entire time working here, the 10 years that I worked at the last radio station. I don't think I've taken a sick day since 2006. And um, I mean, maybe one since then, maybe, but I don't think so. And um, I never do this. I reached out to Curtis and our program director, and I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the show tonight. Uh, please, you know, have uh, have Curtis be on standby. And uh, luckily, I was able to rally. My wife said to me before I left, she said, "You have to be on the radio for four hours. In four hours, how are you going to do that?" So, um, hopefully, with a some help from you calling in and uh, some help from the good Lord, I will be able to soldier on for the next two hours, uh, or for the next hour. No, two hours. Two hours, right? Yeah, two hours. 800 848 9222. Until then, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.
0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno uh, with you until five o'clock this morning when uh, Deb Valentine and the uh, WABC Early News uh, take over. And then I'm not sure who's in for Bernie and Sid today uh, from six to ten. But uh, as soon as I'm informed, I will let you know. Uh, But, um, you know, it's funny. One call, one listener emailed me. What the hell is Joe talking about? That was the caller who called before. Someone else said, "Man, you get some weirdo callers. If you ever want to be, you know, if you ever want to be on the air, this is the day to call in because uh, I'm looking for all the help I could get because of my voice." But there's one story that you know. (laughs) Couple of quick things. One, I was uh, texting my friend uh, Lauren Conlon, and we were talking about how I have no voice, and she was giving me her method of cayenne pepper, lemon juice, and uh, and hot water, and, and I said, you know, I'm really nervous. I've lost my whole voice, and she knows that I'm not drinking for Lent, and she messages me back. All I'm saying is this never happened when you drank alcohol. <laughs> So it is true. I have uh, not drank alcohol for uh, 17 days except for the, uh, I think I had a a sip of the communion wine at church on Sunday. Not even a sip, a half a sip, uh, which is, you know, nothing. Uh, But other than that, I haven't had any alcohol since Ash Wednesday. But, you know, I've drank more than my fair share of alcohol throughout the course of my life. And regularly, you know, I drink alcohol, especially on the weekend. You know, I'm a Friday, Saturday drinker, I'd say. But um, but for these hours, I used to be a big afternoon drinker. When I used to work morning hours, that's when I'd do my prime drinking in the afternoon. Well, there is a very serious problem regarding alcohol in this country. It was entirely predictable. People were talking about it as it was happening. But now we have some data. To back this up. So I'm going to share it with you and invite you to comment on it, offer whatever prescription you have for fixing this or any theories as to what the causes might be beyond the obvious. This is very disturbing. Alcohol related deaths in the United States rose 25% from 2019, excuse me, from 2019 to 2020. This is a graph that's in Axios. It's based on data from the Journal of the American Medical Association. Here's what's so troubling about this. Well, whenever you have a an uptick in deaths in any category, it's disturbing. But this is what's particularly disturbing. The largest spike was among people aged 35 to 44 years old. These are young people. They're not children, but they're young adults. Alcohol related deaths in 2020. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Alcohol related deaths in 2020, according to the New York Times, outnumbered COVID related deaths in adults younger than 65. Did you hear that? If you were under 65, In the year 2020, you had a better chance of dying from an alcohol-related death than from COVID. Now, the research that's published in the Journal of the American Medical Association says, and this is no surprise to me whatsoever, pandemic-induced stress and delayed treatment contributed to the spike in deaths. Uh, alcohol-related liver disease was the top underlying factor for a spike in deaths, followed by overdoses from alcohol, along with overdoses of other drugs where alcohol was also involved. And, you know, I was saying this during the lockdowns. These lockdowns were so incredibly harmful, not just to people psychologically, but to people physically. And I think this is – look, did some people get drunk because they were nervous at the, about the pandemic? Uh, did some people get drunk because uh, they were consoling themselves because a loved one died? Sure. But I think a lot of this was people that found themselves home all of a sudden, in many cases without a job, totally isolated, uh nothing to do, everything's closed. And the only thing that they could do to cope or to have fun was to drink alcohol. And look, you know, I know China is in the midst of uh, locking down again because of COVID, but uh, and where the beneficiaries of the lower gas prices because of that. I hope that our policymakers in this country take heed of these statistics along with the, similar drug overdose statistics before ordering more lockdowns, if if they think it needs to come to that point. This is serious. Give me a reaction to this, 800-848-WABC. That's 800 848 And, look, I say this as someone that drinks alcohol regularly. I think a lot of people would refer to me as a heavy drinker. Uh, I don't know that I would. Probably I would. But um this is scary. A 25% increase in alcohol-related deaths, and the largest group being people aged 35 to 44. Um, if you have a reaction or something that you think we could do to get around this, other than what I just said, which is no more lockdowns, give me a call. 800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. Let me say hello to Chris in Buffalo. Hello, Chris.
12: Hey, Zoggy. It's
7: Chris. Frank, how are you?
1: Um, you know, I'm hanging in there.
7: <laughs> what well, I... I... Well, first of all, you know, I'm a truck driver. They they could all go to work and they could drink less because truck, most truck drivers, we don't drink during a week. We drink on the weekend because that's all we're allowed to do. There, well, you know, so uh, marijuana. But Chris,
1: I think that's what yeah. happened here. I think a lot of people found themselves suddenly out of a job getting paid anyway, and they had the money uh, to go out and buy booze but nowhere to go.
7: Oh, my daughter, my nieces, all that COVID money, they blew it up, and now they're all on the phone crying for money. Dad, I need money. But, hey, hey, brother, I, I dumped uh, George Norrie for your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All your topics are just awesome. I, I can completely relate to it all, you know. I'm Republican, go to church. I mean, I can't believe I haven't found you early. But, anyway, I got a remedy for you. You know, truck drivers here, I ran... Buffalo through Detroit, through Canada for years, and Dad taught me this years ago, and I haven't heard you say one word about peroxide. For a dollar, you go to the dollar store and you gargle with it. Throw all the other crap salt water away. Anytime I get a tinkle in my throat, I gargle with peroxide and spit it out. I'm talking five times a day. I guarantee in one day that with some cheap dollar aspirin, four, or eight of those a day, and that peroxide, your sore throat will be gone in twenty-four to forty-eight hours. You
1: know, Chris, I can't believe it, but you're the first person to suggest that. Now,
7: my yeah,
1: my uncle, my uncle Steve gargles with peroxide. Um, he rinses his mouth, and he believes that's the key to his good gum health. But I've never yeah, heard um, of it. I do I, that
7: with my teeth I in the morning and every night and every morning. You know, you, with your teeth, you got to use a little water. You don't want it pure, but you want it pure. My dad used to drink a little bit of <laughs> when well, he got it cold and he'd gargle with it. But, I mean, just enough to drool down your throat. And Go ahead.
1: Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> um, isn't that harmful if you swallow it? no
7: i do it all if i get close to a cold man i start gargling and i i haven't had a cold all winter i carry it in a truck right to the, my left of my leg is a bottle of alcohol for hand cleaner and uh of course i got the shot my sister finally caught me into the, the moderna like you I, I don't think it should be mandated but anyways the peroxide and the, and the rubbing alcohol is right there you know i i Throw, throw that freaking salt water away and try the peroxide tonight or as soon as you can. And, and I guarantee you, it'll work for
1: you. Chris, so. thank you. I, hey, look, I'll I i may I'll research that. I don't want to look into that a little further because I think it's interesting. You know, it's funny. 900 people all wrote to me and says, make sure you gargle with warm water and salt. Now, I've been gargling with warm water and salt since I was in the first grade. Uh, and, and And when people suggest that, I know they're trying to be helpful, so I don't like to be rude to them. But all I want to say is, do you really think no one has ever told me to gargle with warm water and salt before? Do you think you're the first person to suggest that as a remedy? But I don't want to be rude because these are all people that are trying to offer helpful suggestions. But no one told me to gargle with peroxide. That's a first. But um, I do want to get your take on this uptick in alcohol deaths. Give me a call, 800 848 9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. If you want to comment on, um, on these, I think pretty shocking numbers. But yesterday when I was here and I was leaving, Curtis was here because he was doing the morning show and we're talking about my throat and he said, he said the same thing that Dominic said. He said, well, are you willing to take some steroids? I don't think he, I don't know if he said a steroid shot, but he and Lionel used to go to this doctor here in Manhattan, that would give them this shot into their throat. I think it must have been a steroid shot. That would essentially magically revive their voice. So um, he said, Had "You." I said, no, I'm going to just try some rest first. So uh, my wife was a trooper yesterday. She let me rest a, uh, a great deal. 800-848-WABC. Speaking of alcohol, though, I used to co-host a show on Newsmax with my friend uh, John Tobacco. And when I started, when I got hired here, I sort of gave up everything that I was doing. I had a part-time job uh, that I left. I gave up that television show because I wanted my sole focus to be. I, I stepped back on some of the political activity that I was involved in, although that keeps tugging at my sleeve. It's tough to stay away from that, um, I, because I wanted my sole focus to be making that this show successful. So, John continued doing his own thing at Newsmax. So now, on Saturday nights, he's on Newsmax TV, does a very successful show. It's only a half hour, called Wise Guys, where it's him, two or three other people, and a guest. And they have a look at the news. They sit around a table, and they talk about the news. And their guest last Saturday was Rudy Giuliani. So Giuliani's on. And it was an interesting interview that was um, at a, at a bar in Manhattan, not in Manhattan, in uh, Staten island, and there's a big crowd cheering whatever Rudy says. Rudy's a rock star out there and of all things, it airs, and I, you know I watched it i don't think anything of it it airs, and then of all things this week i don 't know if it was yesterday or the previous day, Jimmy Kimmel makes fun of Rudy and this show on television. So you can't see it, which takes away a little from it, but this is the uh, audio of Jimmy Kimmel throwing to a clip from and then making fun of the, uh, the show Wise Guys with John Tobacco and Rudy Giuliani.
22: All the characters from, uh, from Trump-Sylvania were out this weekend. You remember Rudy Giuliani? We haven't heard from Rudy for, uh, I don't know, like a month, but Recount Dracula emerged from his crypt to make an <laughs> appearance on a Newsmax show called Wise Guys. I don't know what this show is, but I, I, for one, enjoy any show where the people being interviewed are also eating clams. As usual, I'm here with my crew, America's lawyer, Lou Gelamino, And Special guest tonight at
8: the table for the sit-down, joining the family, America's mayor,
23: Rudy
0: Giuliani. Uh, Rudy, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
22: Thank you. <laughs> Show. Rudy, just Rudy having a perfectly normal meeting and an olive garden with three Dick Tracy villains. <laughs> Nothing to see. Eventually, he got around to asking Rudy, who let us not forget, was the guy in the middle of Trump trying to hold back financial support of the Ukrainian military um, in an effort to get them to make up stories about Hunter Biden? Now, of course, uh, the Trump crowd says the war would never have happened under Trump. And to explain why, Rudy shared a totally true story about a conversation that definitely happened between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. So he has a meeting with him, and he's telling him, they're talking about
13: Ukraine, and he says, a you shouldn't, like, attack uh, the Ukraine, because uh, then I'm going to... Well, I, you know, I never like those big... What are those things you got in Moscow, those big bubbles, those big gold bubbles? I never liked those things. So I'm going to have to blow them up.
2: <laughs>
13: so, so Putin says... They're churches. He said, oh, Vladimir, don't tell me that about churches. I did. Come on. Churches. You, you can fool Bush. You can't
22: fool me. Churches? Thank you. Of all the BS in that story, the most unbelievable part is there, there's something gold that Donald Trump didn't like. It's impossible. Listen, if Trump actually blew up things he didn't like, Don Jr.'s 10th birthday present would have been a grenade. Okay.
1: Oh, please. Um, a couple things here. One, I told John that's great publicity for his show. I mean, to have a cable, a half-hour cable show um, be excerpted and promoted that way on a broadcast network, that is really something, great exposure. Two, I think the, the knowing everybody that's involved in that show, the thing that offends John the most and the, the, the folks in the most is Jimmy Kimmel saying that they were at the Olive Garden. Let me tell you something. I know the folks that go on that show, there's not one of them that would be caught dead in an Olive Garden, including Rudy Giuliani. Um, Three, uh, I believe that story that Giuliani said about Putin because it sounds exactly like Trump. It sounds exactly like how he talks to people. Uh, So I believe that story a great deal. And then lastly... You know, um, I don't have an issue with Jimmy Kimmel making fun of uh, Giuliani or Trump. You know, they're public figures. They're political figures. That's fine. It's a comic show. But I, I think the thing that's missing in the current era of late night television is sort of equal opportunity comedy. Years ago, Johnny Carson and Jay Leno did this to some extent as well even though I'm not the biggest Jay Leno fan. But years ago, Johnny Carson would make fun of everybody. He would make jokes about everybody. Jay Leno, largely the same thing. Uh, like, you, like Johnny Carson, I think you knew where he was coming from politically, but if you were just basing it on his jokes, you wouldn't be able to tell where he's coming from. These days, the three main late-night shows that are on at 11.30, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Jimmy Fallon and especially Stephen Colbert. It's basically it's it's an hour of political commentary masquerading as a comedy show. And I think that just turns people off. And I think it just serves to divide people. And uh look, I, I guess the formula works because Fallon was the last guy uh to go full anti-Trump and his ratings suffered because of that. Then he starts going anti-Trump And then the rest and then now he's doing as well as the other shows are, basically. So um, I do miss an era of late night television where it wasn't so blatantly partisan. Personally, also, I am a little disappointed that I didn't have any of you call in and offer your prescription for solving the alcohol death problem. Eight hundred eight four eight W.A.B.C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe.
24: I have a tea to recommend, but uh, first on the alcohol, you know, it, it's interesting that in Russia, there was an article in the Times that the uh, the lifespan of, of males is, like, fairly low uh, due to alcohol poisoning, specifically vodka and a saying at one point where they, it wasn't available in a certain area, they were getting it out of the brake fluid of, of airplanes or something like that. They were so wow. desperate for their next next fix. So, uh, you know, but but it is hard on the body. I guess you have to monitor that. Uh, it does wash out, like, the B vitamins, you know, which are water-soluble. So, Uh, you know, as a lifestyle, I I guess people have got to look for signs that you should be able to see it coming to a degree. And then there's, you know, then you've heard about celebrities like, say, uh, you know, that might have just like threw up, you know, choked on their own vomit like a Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, from alcohol poisoning, if that's what actually happened to him. And Jim Morrison was the same thing. Uh, But uh, also I'd recommend, uh, you know, green tea pills, uh, green tea extract, uh, the uh, supplements. You you know, you could take that, Frank, and listen to this. It's called a a tea. You could get it on Amazon. That's a good cleansing angel. It's called Rock Rose. So it's from... uh, it grows out of rocks, and uh, like turkey in the Mediterranean has something in it. That's a really good cleanser. You're kidding. Uh, so that, yeah, it's called a rock rose. You think rose, and it grows out of rocks, and it's called rock rose. It's so pretty tasty, too.
1: I will give that a try, Joe. I drink this tea called Throat Coat, and uh, right. we we just ordered a new batch, which I like. I, I think it tastes great, and it's um it's very soothing on the throat, but I'll try yours as well. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Joe is in New Jersey. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Uh, quick
25: warning on the peroxide. I, I'm a big believer. I gargle with it uh, frequently when I feel something coming on like the other gentleman. But um, some people can't handle it. If, it uh, if you get a little of that going down your throat, it will make you vomit. That's what they use to uh, induce vomiting in like, pets like dogs when they have to... Uh, Get them to get rid of something they might have eaten. You give them like a tablespoon of peroxide. They drink it like water and it, it bubbles up in them and, and they'll, they'll vomit. So if if you get a little bit too much down your throat, it might make you throw
1: up. All right, but it is, if especially if you're careful with swallowing it, it is safe to gargle with.
25: Uh, depending on how you talk to try to try to just keep it like, you know, in the upper, you know, in your mouth, maybe just a tiny bit down the throat. But again, it it forms up just like, you know, when you get a cut, when you you put it on, you see it really bubble in your mouth. It bubbles a lot. Like you'll feel fr- froth from the mouth. If, uh, so just uh, a buddy of mine threw up, and I just wanted to give you a warning that All right. it's effective, but, it, you know, I don't want you
9: getting sick.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I will try it, uh, 800-848-9222. Joe is in Ronkonkoma. Hello, Joe.
9: Hey, Frank.
6: Um, great show, like always. Uh, before I get into uh, about the alcoholism thing you're talking about, I want to wish your wife a very happy birthday on Sunday. Um, my, uh, Thank you. and my daughter... My sister and my daughter are both born on the same day also. Uh, I want to wish them a very happy birthday in case you're not on the air. Very proud of my daughter. She's a a great kid, and she's doing well. She's turning 15. Um, As far as what you were talking about, the alcoholism during the pandemic and how it was so uh, – I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like you. I like to enjoy a drink on the weekends and stuff like that. But I was finding myself during the lockdowns – seeking, you know, an afternoon drink because, you know, my wife was working from home, my kids were home. So there was no, like, I didn't have to worry about um, being anywhere. So alcohol was on the ready. And I personally think that if we go through another lockdown, it's going to be very, very dangerous uh, mentally, physically. And um, I know a ton of people that all they were seeking was the, the bottle running to the liquor stores, doing the curbside pickup of alcohol, and um, it's not healthy. And these lockdowns, they're talking about, you know, everything's going smooth right now. I don't know why they got to throw this another variant into the mix. And also, the peroxide thing, uh, I've done it. It does work. But like the other caller said, you just got to watch out how much. You can actually cut it with a little bit of water, uh, because if it does go down your throat, it is very uncomfortable, and you will throw up. Have a good night. Feel better.
1: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. I'm hoping um, I can get, you know, a full day's sleep tomorrow. Um, I'm not doing Bernie and Sid. I'm not even doing the business report in the 5 a.m. hour. Frank Diaz was kind enough to pinch hit for me in that respect. And uh, I'm just going to go home and hopefully sleep for, you know, a good portion of the day and then wake up a a new man tomorrow. That's my plan. Um, 800-848-WABC. <laughs> Chris is in New Jersey. Hello, Chris. Craig. Chris. Now,
21: tell me, during the pandemic, how could liquor stores be essential? Is that essential?
1: Well, uh, I, to me they are, but I don't think they're any more essential oh, than says. churches. But when you have people idle at home, it's it's a chemistry
21: for disaster, honestly. It's the, the block parties or whatever. I mean, everybody's sitting home. They can't do anything. So idle mind, idle time, you're not keeping busy. This is what happens.
1: Now, agreed. And and that's that, that's one of the reasons I was eager to talk about this because, um, look, there's a lot of good things that came out of the pandemic as well. But one of the things that came out of the lockdowns was a dramatic increase in drug overdoses and alcohol deaths. And this is the first time that we have these numbers on these alcohol deaths. And you think about this, this is a whole bunch of young people that probably still had so much to contribute to American society that are just gone. And you wonder if we had taken a different approach and not clamped down so hard with all these restrictions, would a lot of these folks still be here? I think there's a strong case to be made that they would. No,
21: absolutely. I mean, it, it was unbelievable even during that whole time. Cause I, I work for uh, UPS and we, we didn't stop one day, not one day. FedEx, post office, all of us were all working around the clock because everybody wasn't shopping. Everybody was ordering online. Right. And we were just, it was, it was go time. It was unbelievable. And I mean, I I never made so much money in one year, but I'm paying for it now because Uncle Sam's knocking on my door because I didn't adjust my W-4, of course, during this time. And uh, yeah, I mean, my It it was just sad though, because I could, I actually could see this coming. I knew it was going to happen. Well, and again, this was
1: going to come out. As I said, and thanks for the call, Chris. I'm glad you did well. Um, This was entirely predictable. People were warning about this. People were saying that this was happening. People talked about it themselves. How they were drinking more because they didn't have to worry about driving to work or anything like that. Uh, Remember what what uh, all the rage was these Zoom cocktail parties that people were doing. You know, it was um I mean we knew this was gonna be a problem. And that this is one of the many things uh again, this is the last time I'll say this, this. is one of the many things we've got to be on the lookout again for before locking down again, in my judgment. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Uh let me say hello to Al in Manhattan. Hello Al. Good
23: morning, Mr. Randall. Sorry to get under the weather. Uh, I know a couple of some some tricks uh Some you uh, have mentioned. The throat coat is extremely good if you get the one that's called with slippery elm. Really, really good. Uh, What I would do is also you use sea salt, warm water, about two or three times during the day. You do that, two or three minutes. The thing you could do right now in the studio, but the problem is there's nobody to do it for you, is you go to where the trouble is, which is at your, like Adam's apple, basically, and then behind, at your neck, opposite, like a yin and a yang, you do almost like what they have like uh, the Vulcan grip you take your middle finger and your thumb and behind your neck you're going to hold and pressurize that for about a minute or two that will help what also helps is ice cream the butter fat okay it coats slowly uh, heat and cold wrap same thing actually humming helps it resonates okay and hot Thai soup they call it tom Ka, it's going to loosen all the mucus but the biggest key is not to use it. You gotta rest the voice, come back slowly. Pace yourself. You know what I mean? You're there for four hours, five hours, no good. You're continuously using it. So you get that rest tomorrow. Try those steps. But for right now, if you had somebody there who is brave enough, you go behind your throat. Just imagine a line going behind to the back of your neck and you're gonna press in and you're gonna hold it there. And about a minute or two later you're gonna relieve some of that pain is going to, uh, I don't know how they do it, but they people have been doing it for many, many years, you know? And do the sea salt. Sea salt will definitely help. Gargling, warm water.
1: Yeah, no, I use sea salt. It- Al, thank you very much. Appreciate that. 800 848 9222. We'll continue with your calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.
0: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. <laughs>
8: couldn't sleep. Her nerves were slightly off the beat. Until she saw her problem with a can of old tea. She drank a cupful most every night. And ooh, I see a dream until something rough
3: got in the stuff and made her neighbor scream. Ow! Who put the benzodrine in Mrs. Murphy's Ovaltine? She was ashamed, don't know who's to blame, cause the old lady didn't
1: even get his name. Uh, the great Harry Gibson that asking that immortal question Who put the benzodrine in the Mrs. Benzedrine? Murphy's Oval teen? I like oval teen. And is something that I felt got a bad rap for a long time. But uh, I think it was just absolutely terrific. So when, if you ever come up to our radio station to visit, you will see we have a video playing. Um, and the video highlights – it's a really neat video. It highlights all the shows that we have here in the lineup that we have. It, it's uh, There's another, like, three-minute mini-documentary which chronicles the great history of this radio station. It's wonderful. And one of the highlights that it shows was uh, the coverage of WABC on September 11th. And really, the man responsible for for that incredible coverage, largely, on September 11th, 2001, a man who literally risked his life to go leave the radio station and find a, a payphone because his cell phone wouldn't work, was George Weber. Now, if you've been listening to the station for a long time, you know George Weber. George Weber started here around, around 1996 and then uh, worked here until uh, February of, no, April of 2008 and then after he was let go from here because of budget cuts from our parent company at the time citadel he went on to get hired by the abc radio network and so he was still heard on this radio station on the weekend but just on the top of the hour instead of doing everything that he was george weber was uh, an incredibly close friend of mine And somebody that I learned so much from about radio. And in terms of talent, the guy was a five-star talent, a five-tool talent. He was a brilliant reporter. He was a brilliant news anchor. And those of you that have tried either reporting or news anchoring know that it's not the same skill set. They both involve talking, but not everyone that's a good reporter is a good anchor. Not everyone that's a good anchor is a good reporter. He was also a very, very good talk show host, also when it came to production radio production, the guy had um, a the mind of a radio producer par excellence and what a voice this guy had! What a voice if you don't remember George or if you're new to the station. Uh, this is the this is the kind of newscast that you'd hear from George on a regular basis. Sunshine, 61 degrees at 902. Good morning, I'm George Weber
26: with the stories you'll be talking about all day. From News Talk Radio 77 WABC, brought to you by Zostrich in answer to chronic arthritis pain. The school bells aren't ringing this morning in Asbury Park, New Jersey. All five schools will be shut down today and tomorrow over Fears of gang violence. Decision follows the shooting of an 18 year old high school student who we're told is not likely to survive. School officials want to keep students away from the schools until police can determine whether the attack was gang related. Two teenagers in Long Island are accused of the unthinkable torturing a young man unable to defend himself in a gruesome example of gang rape. Police say 17 year old Michael Lunsford and 19 year old Stephen Rodriguez sodomized a developmentally disabled man in the bathroom at a bowling alley. And Shirley, while one kid held the guy down, the other used a plumbing snake on the young man.
1: Now, you... Hear the kind of voice that he has, the way he's able to blend kind of serious and, uh, and, uh, not so serious, the way he's able to incorporate sound that you heard it with the bell ringing. Did that all himself, uh, wrote the scripts himself, did that all himself. I learned a great deal from him, but. Uh, you know, when I'm thinking of my fondest memories of working with George, you know, George was a very, very fun-loving guy. And one of the things that we enjoyed doing most is specials. And I was producing Curtis and Kuby in those days. And George in those days was an integral part of the Curtis and Kuby show, sort of the glue that held that five-hour show together. And uh, Curtis, it used to drive us crazy. The amount of e- effort, it used to drive Curtis crazy, the amount of effort that George and I would go into to do these specials. He says, you guys spend hours on these specials that no one is listening to. I wish you'd spend a little bit more time on our actual show. He would say to us, Hey, uh, you know, why don't you pretend instead of tomorrow being a regular show day, pretend it's a special. And then put in the amount of work that you do on all these specials. So one of the things that we did, we put in this, we, we did this wonderful New Year's Eve show. I, it's difficult for me to imagine now, but both of us volunteered to work on New Year's Eve. Both of us weren't, we didn't get paid anything extra. We both volunteered to work and it was not just one day of work. It was a gargantuan undertaking. We were on the air this was I guess 2005 going into 2006 and we celebrate I think we were on the air for four or five hours and what we did was we celebrated New Year's Eve at the top of every hour by going live to different time zones. like we'd go an hour earlier at 11 and then we'd celebrate our own time zone at midnight at one, we'd go to an hour to our you get it it was fun. So it was basically we got to relive New Year's Eve over and over again with people in different time zones, which means I then had to find people in all these time zones. And we were just in the radio station. We were just in the studio. But we said that we were live from the apartment, uh, the Times Square apartment of a of a guy named Bob. That's where we said this show was taking place. That was in the days when there was no video stream or anything like that. So you could get away with a lot of theater of the mind stuff like that. So, I, I, you know, we're working. We're not partying on New Year's Eve. So I brought for us a beer, maybe two beers, I think, so that we could just have something to cheers with one another at midnight. So midnight comes around. We do our countdown. And um, we, we, you know, each pour some beer. We toast in the studio. And then I go back into my producer's hovel, and George continues to do the show. And he's got the beer with him in the studio. And what you're about to hear is him spilling the beer. And this is not a sound effect. This was not shtick. And this was all too real. And this was a moment that I definitely heard George panic. You could hear it. Let's go to Bay Ridge and check in with uh, Diane
26: in my favorite burrow. How are you, Diane? I'm great, George. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I just wanted to tell you that I loved your interview
27: with your old friend.
26: Oh, Steve Kappas, the president of NBC News.
27: Yeah. I love when you laugh. You're such a joy. Well, thank you. And I just wanted to ask, what is it you're putting your feet on?
26: Uh, there's just a, like a little side table here. And oh. uh, it's it's one of the, It's one of those... Uh,
1: That's him spilling the beer.
26: I just just spilled a... <laughs> a little, uh, little drink all over me here. Bob's not going to be happy. <laughs> no, I, well, I told oh, Bob. Don't worry about it. I, I told Bob not to put any drinks on the console, but <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. But he did. Oh well, merry. I mean, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. All right, and Happy New Year to you. I think and we're almost uh, out of champagne. I'm going to go make a run. Yeah, anybody well, anybody else do all right, thank you, Bob. Bye. Take it. Take it easy. It's very nice of you to call uh, down in in Bay Ridge, just south of where I am. Happy. Happy New Year! And, yeah, I think you're getting a little carried away there, buddy. That's that's our friend Bob, the uh, host of, uh, of this party. All right, stick around. It's uh, 10 minutes after 12 o'clock. I'm George Weber from the Curtis and Kuby Morning Show. Uh, you
1: can check me out uh, m- uh, Monday through Friday from 5 until 11 a.m. So the interesting thing there is the program director at the time, Phil Boyce, who hired George and who hired me. Phil was... So crazed about spilling anything in the studio. Steve Malzberg spilled some chicken soup on the console in the studio one time. Uh, Phil made him pay for it. He ruined the console. Phil made him pay for it. So George, we're not supposed to be drinking beer during a shift anyway. So George was concerned that we would both get into trouble. And that other voice that you heard there, the voice of Bob, that was recorded. I had my friend Kyle O'Brien come in before the show. And he's a, a, a bar owner still and a club promoter and so forth. And I had him record all of these drops that we would drop in when it was appropriate to do so. So that was the voice of Kyle that you, that you heard there. Then uh, George was always very generous with me, uh, even though I wasn't really much of an on-air personality at the time. He was always very kind to give me credit. Uh, and make sure people heard that I was getting credit for doing you know, the kind of work that I was doing. And he did that during that New Year's Eve show. That's very
26: nice so to I,
6: hear. I really, truly appreciate
1: it. Well,
26: and uh, all my best to you and your family and uh, and everyone in your neighborhood, uh, Frank. Thank, thank you very much for calling. Okay, thank you. All right, take it easy. Well, that was nice of him. and well, hey, we- look who's here. It's Saab. <laughs> There's Bob again, stumbling around. Uh, I, I've got to thank Bob uh, for, uh, for hosting this party here in the... Uh, titanium what's the name of this building the titanium palace i think something like that uh anyhow uh, up here on the uh, 57th floor uh, thanks yeah you're welcome uh, beautiful view looking down on on Times square oh thanks I, I, enough of you and, sorry and and uh, and of course we have uh <laughs> chuck Stevenson and jim smith down below uh covering all the festivities down there all right uh, stay with us, won't you? We have much, much, much more ahead. How can we possibly pack anything more into the last half hour of this three-hour radio program? How is that even possible? You know how it's possible? It's possible because of Frank Marano. Frank Marano, super producer. Stay with us. It's 1230 right now. It is a new year, 2006. I'm George Weber from the Curtis and Kobe Morning Show, and this is 77
1: WABC. Well, so that was very nice of George to, uh, to give me that shout out. But in that show, you know, George was uh, very into radio from the time that he was a teenager. And one of uh, his friends that he grew up with um, became – they were involved in the local radio station together in Pennsylvania when they were growing up as 17 or 18-year-olds. And then that fellow, his name is Steve Kappas, went on to become – the president of NBC News. So... And now I think he's the uh, the, he's the former he's the he he was the president of NBC News. Now I think he's an executive editor over at uh, CBS News, but he became a big news, big shot. So George interviewed Steve uh, during this particular show. They were talking about their upbringing and, uh, you know, the state of the media and so forth. Here's George interviewing his childhood friend, Steve Kappas. Do do you uh,
26: you get like a a bigger bill now on the uh, on the nightly news? Or no mention at all? No, no mention at all, and that's the way we like it. It's kind of the anonymous, behind-the-curtain uh, Wizard of Oz. But, no. uh, George, the one thing I, I'm hoping is that you, all the stories that uh, to come back from the studios in Bucks County stay in the studios of Bucks County, and we don't uh, dare repeat them tonight over... I, I, I know that makes you nervous, and, and, I, and I, I know you're probably a little hesitant to do this. Knowing full well of, of the things that we did, knowing full well that you probably have cassette tape somewhere. You know, I happen to have one tape. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. But oh, great. I, I, I no but it's it's not it's well, not. I look at the time, <laughs> but it's not of you. I couldn't find a tape of you. Okay. Uh, which would have been very funny, but um, this this is back at, at W C S D, and and you can you can tell the difference <laughs> from then till now. Listen to this: 1980, a year to remember. <laughs> On today's special look into the past year, 89 News will spotlight some of the more interesting and noteworthy events, both locally and around the globe. Such events as plane crashes that plagued the Buxton area yes, I in 1980. It really well. a train Plays carrying hazardous chemicals crashes, forcing 200 people to leave their homes one cold, wintry day. cold, cold wintry day. So, I, I know that that took a lot for me to play it, and I, I like the music background. it was like a porn soundtrack now, and now, I asked you to do some homework to see if you could dig up a tape and and you you bring nothing to the table yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the tape I would bring well, which I is know when uh, things were a little out of hand on another radio station right. and we uh do you still have that by the way I do. <sighs> You could you couldn't have just FedEx that thing to me. <laughs> I mean, we would have obviously had to put a few bleeps in there, but uh, yeah. No, I I think that the uh, the 1980 year in review should be uh, that uh, with you anchoring should go over to the Museum
1: of Broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, right. And be enshrined. So um, that was nice to hear hear that. So um, why are we talking about George today and doing sort of this uh, retrospective? Well. Um, George, uh today, would have been his birthday. Now, I say would have been because uh, he, he would have been, let's see, he would have been born in 1961, so he would have been 67 today, hard to believe. I say would have been because he was murdered in 2009. You know, March 20th 2009 uh just uh 3 days before his birthday he was murdered and i will tell you uh to this day um when i think of the worst phone call i've ever gotten and the really one of the, you spend so many phone calls time on the phone every day let alone the course of your life the call that i got from our program director at the time lori cantillo Telling me that George had died uh, is by far the worst phone call I've ever gotten. Uh, but I think, you know, it's always fun to remember George – and his on-air contributions, the guy was an incredible talent. He's somebody who was uh really, I don't think, ever got the proper credit and recognition for his contributions uh, at this radio station. If there ever is a WABC Radio Hall of Fame, which I know our owner has talked about doing, I sincerely hope that George one day will have a place in there. And, you know, it's funny uh, – and, you know, it's funny, I had encouraged George after he let go, he got let go to start a blog, and that blog is still up there, and it's uh, GeorgeWeberTheNewsGuy.blogspot.com, and uh, there's still some great blog items about there, and a lot of great stuff, even though a lot of it is uh, a little bit dated, and the last blog item that he has is from the day, the night that he was murdered, the day that he was murdered, it was all about bed bugs. He had a big bed bug problem at his apartment in Brooklyn, and as good as he was on the air, he was an even better person. And uh, you know, he would have these parties, and it was really at his at his apartment. He would call it Noodle Palooza, named for his dog Noodles. And I really, he had this cute little dachshund, Noodles that would run around his apartment and uh, chase a um, you know a, a ball. And i really felt bad because George got fired from here. And then his dog Noodles died, which was, which was awfully sad. And then I felt even worse because, you know, he was murdered by someone that uh, he had found on Craigslist. He had this fetish where he enjoyed being smothered and he paid someone to come to his apartment and smother him. And this person uh, stabbed him many, many times and, and killed him. And I felt so, uh, even as horrible as it was that my friend died and the brutal manner in which, in which he died, I felt even worse because George's parents learned about his death when a reporter called them. Now, can you imagine what that must be like to not only lose your only son, they had lost one son previously, but to lose your only son um, and then to learn about it when a reporter calls you for comment about it. So because of sort of the um, unseemly nature of uh, George's passing, there was a lot of people around here, including a lot of people whose names you might know, who wanted nothing to do with George and remembering his uh, legacy and so forth. And I had – actually collected money after George died from everybody that worked here to put up a plaque to rename the the newsroom for George and yet as more and more details of his uh passing came out it uh, you know the management said no we don't we don't want to do that we don't want to do that we're we're not going to do that and i thought it was such a shame that all these people that George thought were his friends because there were certain aspects of his life that he didn't want to share with them they couldn't run Away from him fast enough. So um, I always try to remember George on his birthday, and unfortunately, it also happens to be right around the anniversary of the time that he was killed. So uh, it's the once a year where we do our George Weber retrospective. And um, when, at the time that George died, I, I'm, I just posted a photo on Facebook. You could see it, facebook dot com slash morano fans. About sixteen years old. It's uh, George with me and the morning show team, Curtis. Kubi and uh, Warner Wolf, and you could see it. And uh, I certainly have many fewer gray hairs there. And uh, it was a a, a fun time to work at this radio station. But uh, after George died, one of the people that did step up was this fella named uh, Kip Kelly. Sometimes he goes by the name Kip Sackett. Sometimes it's Brian Sackett. It's one of these fellows that has used a lot of different names. But he was a radio imaging genius. And uh, he was kind enough to put together this montage of uh, some of George's work on air over music it was really good so uh, I always try to play this and remember George on his birthday
26: if it doesn't this is George Weber in the WABC newsroom with a live special report. There has been officials are investigating the cause of three morning fires in the Lacey Park section. Eleven on KGL Newstalk 810. This is the most amazing story I've ever heard in my life. George Weber with WABC Radio. How are you doing today? Good. We're looking for uh, aggressive panhandlers. Are you? Are you one of those? Nah. You're a fool. Sir- Any minute now. is coming in. I right, let's stop A.O. We'll start with a dollar a minute. How's that? You're a star, man. I'll keep checking
5: the horizon.
26: All right, Danny Iola thanks for dropping by. Uh, always a pleasure to hang out with you and talk.
5: I'll stand on about.
12: Chris, I'm looking at two tornadoes
7: right now. The one. and feel the waves come crashing. It appears to be over the Aurora
21: area. That's the one that's
26: crashing down.
5: Down, down
26: on me Corey Lytle's plane crashed into a high-rise apartment building on Wednesday
5: And you say,
24: be still, my love I'm
26: packing up my little dog Open up your heart We're Hopping in the car, heading south Let the light shine To mom and dad's place, getting together with the whole family
5: Don't you understand, I already have a plan Yeah, that's
26: right. It's the uh, George Weber Marathon. I'm waiting
5: for my real life to begin.
24: Thank you, George.
0: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
1: Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Marano. It's George Thurgood uh, talking about drinking alone. And, um, you know, it's funny. Ellen sent me um, an email um, saying of the drinking situation. Then uh, what did she say? She said, I'm sorry. Uh, she said, um, a question I have for everyone is why didn't the deaths increase across all age groups? The deaths did increase across all age groups. They were just the most pronounced between the ages of 35 and 44. But they did in- increase across uh, all all age groups. Uh, by the way, I, I guess I misspoke. I, I, if George was born in 1961, he'd be 61 today, not 67. I misspoke. So thank you for that uh, that correction. Additionally. Uh, so we, I told you yesterday we have a baptism date for my son. Looks like it's going to be May 1st. And that means we have to send in the form to the church that we're having this baptism at. And, uh, you know, we're all excited about it. And you have to pick godparents. So enough, enough, you know, tiptoeing around and pussyfooting around. We got to pick some godparents. Now we had asked, um, My sister-in-law, Sharon, who's a wonderful person. You've heard me talk about her before to be his godmother. And then we had four or five finalists for his godfather. But one of the things I've been thinking, and look, this is all going to come to a head by tomorrow. But one of the things that I've been thinking is my sister, Claudia, has really developed such a special connection with our son. And she really loves him. She looks after him. She babysits for him. She bathes him. She asks to come over and see him. She's talked about how he's her favorite relative of any relative. And, you know, one of the things that I've been toying around with is having, instead of a godfather and a godmother, two godmothers. Is that too crazy? I'm worried if that's, is that too hippie-ish for me? I mean, I'm a non-traditional guy. Why not, right? What do you think about that? Any thoughts on that? That's, I don't know. I'm of two minds. If you have thoughts, give me a call. eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Until next hour, you can help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.
0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WAVC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, Taking to 5 o'clock when you'll get to hear the WABC early news. You'll get to hear the um, dulcet tones of Deb Valentine coming up in um, just 57 minutes. And then the Bernie and Sid show coming up at 6. I'll tell you a little bit about what you can expect uh, on that front. But um, there was one item. Those of you that are holding, I will get to you. But uh, there was one item that uh, is undoubtedly good news. Uh, as bad as the COVID pandemic has been for alcoholism, drug abuse, and so forth, reading has made a monstrous comeback. COVID has revived reading. Um, this is another piece in, in Axios. Folks, the, the the average American read twenty minutes a day in the year twenty twenty. That is that is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics American Time Use Survey. That is up twenty-one percent from twenty nineteen and the most since the early two thousands. You understand? People read books the most in twenty twenty. They they read more in twenty twenty than they did in the last twenty years. Print books, but plain old fashioned print books, not Kindle or Nook or eBooks, whatever. Print books had their best sales year of the decade in the year 2020. And then Sales climbed even higher last year in 2021. The share of adults who report reading ebooks ticked up five points in 2021 from two years before to 30%, according to the Pew Research Center. So people are reading more. I think this is great news. The decline of reading, especially among teenagers, has alarmed a lot of scholars. I find it pretty alarming as well. But they're saying that the pandemic era renaissance of reading offers us hope. I like to read, and uh, if there's one thing that I wish I could do more of, it's read. I mean, I wish I could do a lot of things more. I wish I could uh, work out more. I wish I could, um, you know, watch movies more. I wish I could read more. But... Um, the, we're seeing reading make a big comeback. I am curious if the habits that people are developing now in terms of reading are going to become a habit now that everybody, or most people anyway, have come back to work. What do you think? 800-848-WABC, that's 800-848-9222. I'm curious um, if you have any tips for getting people reading. Eric Pan, Erica Pandy wrote in Axios uh, her five reading tips, and these are them, and I thought some of them were good. Number one was just stop. There's too many awesome books out there for you to soldier on through one that's not delighting or helping you. Quit the second you have had your fill. See, I don't do that. I I like to soldier on and stick with this book. Two, she says, make it a habit. And see, this is what I have gotten out of the habit of since I've been driving to work instead of taking the bus, and since we had our son, because I used to do all my reading on the express bus back and forth to Manhattan. Now that I drive in, I don't have that option anymore. I get to listen to radio more, get to listen to podcasts more. But she says, make it a habit. Build books into your daily routine so that you're reading when you wake up or commute or at bedtime. Then, this is interesting, and this is not something I do. Track yourself. She, she uses the app Reading List to keep track of her progress and what she's reading next. And then she recommends a digital detox. Keep your phone out of reach when you read to eliminate temptation. Uh, that is good advice, and I have found that very effective. You know what'll happen? I read almost completely nonfiction these days. Um, but what'll happen with me is I'll learn something in one of these books, and it'll inspire an idea for a radio guest or uh, a radio segment or something that I want to research. And then I'll find myself looking for the computer or the phone to either write that down or. Or start work on that. But, you know, you're right. That does tend to be a distraction. And then the last one she mentions is family time. If you have children, read to them. If you live with a roommate or a partner, read together. I think that's all good advice. So if you have, um, if you have a- anything, any favorites uh, in terms of what you're reading this year, give us a call, 800-848-9222, or any reading tips, 800-848-WABC. Or if you are, um, so, or if you have an opinion about whether or not these this reading renaissance will continue after everybody gets back to work. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. Uh, that's 800-848-9222. Annette is on Long Island. Hello, Annette.
19: Good evening, Mr. Morano. Uh, while I've been waiting uh, to speak to you, you went on to another topic. Uh, but I'll do my do my best to cover the first one quickly uh you had quite a number of remedies for your sore throat i don't know how you you going to choose but no one talked about how to prevent this uh listening to you every night i don't know how you keep the hours that you keep uh and i think your immune system is probably compromised and i'd like to ask you i'm sure you take a multivitamin do you take vitamin c uh
1: well i yes yes i do
19: Do you take a time release?
1: I don't. What is a time release? I don't even know what
19: that is. A time release is that your body doesn't absorb all of it at once. It breaks it up into segments. But you also drink a lot of tea and probably coffee, and that tends to make you urinate. So your body might be depleted of the vitamin C that you take. I don't take the time release. What I do is, and I have the problem with the sore throats, and since I've been uh, taking the heavy dosage of vitamin C and doing this, I haven't had a cold in a couple of years. I break it up into small pieces. I almost crush it. So every time I have something to drink, I tape it in a little uh, a glass, actually a whiskey glass. And every time I take something to drink, I just grab a segment of it. Uh, you might want to try something like that. Uh, uh, a short throat sometimes leads into a heavy cold. Well, uh,
1: yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. I appreciate that. I, um, look, I'm hoping by this time tomorrow I'm back to my old self, uh, and I'm back to being close to 100%. And this, um, laryng I'm over this laryngitis and this frog in my throat becomes a prince. Mark is in Westchester. Hello, Mark.
12: Yes, sir. Frank, you sound great. Uh, That being said about the frog in your throat. Uh, I just started enjoying reading again. I am currently reading Kim Pat Coogan, The History of the IRA. Who's the author? Who's
11: who's the author?
12: Mm Kim Pat Coogan with a C, double O, G-A-N.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's
12: the uh, history of the IRA. Some uh, a group of lads that I used to respect when I was a young boy. And once you start reading this book, uh, terrorism is terrorism. And I'm a proper Irishman. And that's I'm learning more about my history. And I'm not amused.
1: Mm. Well, Mark, thank you. Mark, what made you get into reading again?
12: I think, uh, Frank, in all honesty, I got bored of TV, I got bored of Corona, everything you would watch, uh, and now with the uh, war with Ukraine and Russia, I wanted my eyes to be on something besides somebody's face. There was something about folding the papers over and reading a book and taking your time uh, that brings me back to my reality of life. There is more to life than what's going on now. Uh, as we go back in history, which I'm learning from this particular book.
1: Well, very interesting, Mark. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Diana is in Manhattan. Hello, Diana.
27: Hi. Um, I thought your George Weber tribute was really wonderful. Really beautiful. Especially given the fact that he died in such, well, sort of sordid circumstances, your true friend, after all these years that he's been dead, to be loyal to him and to uh, air that tribute every year. I thought that was great.
1: Well, thank you uh, very much, Diana. Appreciate that. Uh, if people want to see, uh, want to hear that again, that audio montage that Kip Kelly, a.k.a. Kip Sackett, was kind enough to. Put together, you can go join the Facebook group. Uh, just search "Morano Radio Fans and Haters" on Facebook. I linked to it. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Bobby is in Brooklyn. Hello, Bobby.
28: Good evening, Frank. Well, good morning, Frank. Um, I, we were talking. We were talking about drinking early and all those people. You know, I, I, I've noticed that a lot more people. Some of my friends, get, you know, they were getting COVID money and drinking got that freedom, you know. Right. And they were working a lot of them were working from home too. And they were still drinking, you know, when they were working, having parties, something they were doing work, you know. Um and uh what was the other thing I wanted to say? Um I noticed that there's a lot more people on the street now, but when when I first saw it, it was nobody on the streets. And then now, now it seems like people are getting back together again, you know.
1: Well, that's true. Do you think it's going to lead to a decline in things like you know, binge drinking drug use. Uh, do you think it'll lead to a decline in reading?
28: Uh, well, I hope not. I mean, I, I, I like the fact I would actually, I started reading myself and it's kind of weird that I haven't read in a while. Well,
1: So that seems it's, you're not the only one last year was the biggest yeah. year for, uh, book sales in many years. What made you start reading again?
28: Uh, I was passing by, uh, I was walking down a block, and there was a box of books, you know, free books, so I grabbed one. And then uh, I noticed there's a, a, a library thing on, like, a post. You put your books in there, take them, and put them back. It's like outside somebody's house. Free books.
1: Um, and any favorites so far since you've been reading again?
28: Um, I guess the only one I'm liking right now is Code of Honor by George, um, by uh, Clancy.
1: Ah. Code of Honor. All right. Well, hey, cool. He's very popular. Uh, very popular author for a reason. Thank you. Uh, uh, Jay is in Ohio. Hello, Jay. Hey. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? Jay, were you on already? No. Okay, good. Just checking.
9: Nah. Oh. Um, which? Okay. All the people talking about salt water. They can't be wrong because salt water is good for the throat one of the reasons is because salt is it's not only um <clears throat> and astringent but it's also helps to take swelling out of the vocal cords
1: well I, i'm doing it uh, believe me yeah. I, i'm i'm absolutely doing it
9: yeah and and also um sea salt is is better than oh. just regular salt but the salt that's embedded in sea salt is the Himalaya salt.
1: The pink salt. I use that, too. That's great yeah. stuff. Great yeah, stuff.
9: that's real great because it's got a lot of, like, nutrients in it. So it's giving you, like, added benefits.
1: Yeah. No, that is good stuff. Th- Jay, thank you. Um, I got an email here whose gentleman who writes, if more people had taken solace in reading, there may have been less substance-related deaths during the lockdown. That's true. But see, that's the thing. During the lockdown, people all sort of did their own thing. Some people gained a whole bunch of weight. Some people got really into exercising and took off weight. Uh, Some people got into reading. Other people caught up on TV shows. Other people turned to drugs and alcohol. Um, That's, you know, that's the thing is – I guess it it depends on your individual makeup, your individual circumstance, and you know what your situation was. Um so we're almost we're gonna to talk to George B in about fifteen minutes about the situation with Russia and Ukraine. The man is brilliant when it comes to this subject. I have learned a great deal from him on this. And then the uh WABC Early News with Deb Valentine is supposed to start. Now I had told Matt Meany, our program director, that I thought I could soldier on through the show today and um you know maybe we could have Curtis on standby in case my voice totally went out. But I said I don't think it's wise for me to do the business reports and the Bernie and Sid show, which I was slated to do from, from six to seven. Um then, so I just get the guest list just now, and it says who's on, and it's a great guest list. Peter King is on, and, uh, it's really, it looks like a, a great show. Um, you have Peter King on at, uh, 740, John Solomon at 805, Miranda Devine at 840. And so I said to Justin, who's hosting? Cause it doesn't say. He says, well, you're on with Bernie from six to seven. And then John Katsimatidis is on from 7 to 10. Now, um, so I guess my message to Matt never got made it down to Justin. I'm wondering, I mean, I feel like my voice has held up pretty well. I'd certainly like to do the morning show. Should I try to stick around and soldier on until 7 o'clock? Or should I you know, tell Justin that I don't think I could do that? Then maybe Bernie should do that on his own for that hour. I don't know. I'm very conflicted. Very conflicted. So we'll see. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Evelyn is in Bayonne. Hello, Evelyn.
29: Frank, I just want to tell you two things. A, no matter what your voice sounds like, you're always a prince. Believe Thank you. Me. Thank you um, Rachel's a very lucky woman. The other thing is kudos to the library near where I work. I work in an inner city school. They came to the school and gave applications for all the kids for library cards. I've never seen so many kids so enthusiastic about going to a library. I don't think a lot of them even knew what a library was. And these people took the time to come and try to get kids interested in reading. And I think it was just terrific. And I'm an avid reader. I have at least three different subjects books with me when I travel anywhere, to work, to the the supermarket, anywhere. Because I can't stand waiting online, just waiting. I have to be reading something. So thanks very much for the topic, Frank. I hope... Evelyn, um, any favorite books that you'd
1: recommend for people that are looking for something to start?
29: Um... Well, I just finished one. It's a true story of um, happened several years ago. Uh, two NFL players and two other guys that were his friends. They um, went deep sea fishing in the Gulf of Mexico. It's a true story, and only one survived. It was called "Without Hope," and it was one of the amazing, one of the most amazing reads of survival I've ever. I've ever encountered. Really? So that was my last one. It's called Without Hope, and it was just amazing. And it was two NFL players That you would know their names. But I remember the story, but I didn't read the book, and now I read it,
1: and I'm so happy. But you can put me in Strand Bookstore, and I'll be in there for two weeks without leaving. Oh, same here. And uh, the owner of the uh, Strand, I I wouldn't say she's a friend, but we're certainly very friendly. I'm going to invite her on the show uh, soon because uh, she's a wonderful lady, a wonderful lady.
29: That would be wonderful. Thank you, Frank, and feel better. And you remember you're
1: always a prince. Appreciate it, Evelyn. Thank you. That's nice. 800. 848-9222 Eight four eight nine two two two. Maria is in Monmouth County. Hello, Maria.
19: Yes, hello. Well, you know, every every night you ruin my sleep. Okay. <laughs> well, regarding the baptism, you see, the baptism. The point is, if if you and your wife passed away, you need a couple that could raise your son. Mm-hmm. So that would not be a couple. It's not a good idea. But for for the confirmation, your sister, then she could be the godmother. For the confirmation when he gets to be twelve, there's a confirmation.
1: Okay. Well yeah, you know, that's that that is interesting, um Maria. That's certainly a thought. Um Okay. That's a thought. That's a thought. Billy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Billy. Right? Billy.
12: Yes. Yes. How you doing, friend?
1: Well, I've got a sore throat, but aside from that I, I think I'm doing okay.
12: Okay, great. Listen, my wife's from the Ukraine. And you know what she gives me about it? Is she from
1: the throat? Ukraine or is she from Ukraine?
28: Ukraine. Ah,
1: Ukraine. Got it.
28: And uh, when I get a sore throat, you know what she gives me? What? Warm milk, butter, and honey. Put it in a tea glass and mix it up.
1: Is it So warm milk, butter, and honey, and it works? Yep. All right. Well, um, I think, and thanks, Billy, for the recommendation. I think a lot of it is. I've always known and I used to get laryngitis. you know, I've always done a lot of public speaking. So there have been different times in my life where I've gotten laryngitis and need to get my voice back in a hurry. And I've done a lot of research into this and spoken with a lot of experts. And um one of the common threads is warmth and moisture. You want to keep that throat moist with lots of fluids, avoid alcohol, obviously avoid, you know, tobacco smoke or anything like that and you want to keep it uh, warm. That's why you'll see some singers, you know, walking around with a a scarf around their neck. Uh, And that's where all those warm beverages come in. Uh, Honey can be very soothing. A lot of people recommend lemon juice uh, because of the vitamin C properties. So Terry's in Rockland County. Hello, Terry.
30: Hi, Frank. I hope you'll get better soon. Um, You certainly deserve to be healthy and have good health. Um, I'd like you to look up all the benefits of green tea. It has so many benefits, and even there's a pharmacist that uh, recommends to gargle with green tea, and then uh, you can drink it. But green tea has so many benefits, you won't believe it. So please look it up, okay?
1: Yeah, no, I drink green tea. I like green tea, and I agree with you. I, I mean, the more we learn about it, the more positives there does seem to be to it.
30: Okay, good, good good. and I wanted to also tell you you asked about uh, what will it get to um what will get people to read more, and I think if a person is curious about a lot of things because um I've been curious about everything all my life. I want to know why, why, why everything. And if a person's curious about a lot of things, that I think sometimes encourages them to want to read uh, about so many different things. And I was thinking about you recently because years ago I went to a library sale and I bought a whole bunch of books, packed them away, never got them out. Recently I got two out. (laughs) I wanted to call you and uh, bet you that if you start reading this book, I'll bet you $100 you will be able to put it down. What's the book? Okay. It's Time and Again by Jack Finney. And then 25 years later, he wrote a sequel uh, that's called From Time to Time. And then in between, he wrote another book, um, Time After Time. It's about going back in time. And just uh, two sentences from the back of this one book, Time After No, no, Time and Again by Jack Senny. This is what it says. Did illustrator Cy Morley really step out of his 20th century apartment one night right into the winter of 1882? The U.S. government believed it, especially when Cy returned with a portfolio of brand-new sketches and tintype photos of a world that no longer existed.
1: Well, it it does sound interesting. But, Terry, is it fiction or nonfiction?
30: You know, I love these books that say this. It says fiction, but when you read it, he goes into so much detail about the government and so much minute detail about so many things. Let me see how many pages this one book has. This one book has. It sounds good. I'm I'm
1: into all that time travel stuff, as you know, Terry. Are
30: you really? I am. Big time. Big time. Okay, Uh this one book has 398 pages in it. <laughs> if that gives you an idea how much detail he goes into. And this other book, well, I won't open it. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But he goes into so much detail, and he talks about the government. I know you like things about the government. In fact, I would even almost go out on a limb to say, I'll bet you $100 that I can't afford, <laughs> but I would keep the bet if I made it, that once you start reading it, You will
1: be able to put it down. Well, uh, thank you, Terry. Uh, Perhaps I will put it on my list. As I said, I don't read a lot of fiction these days, but that does sound like it's up my alley. Uh, Andrea is in Sussex County. Hello, Andrea.
27: Good. How are you doing, Frank?
1: Uh, You know, I'd say I'm about a six out of ten.
27: Okay. You know what? I just want to make some comments quick. Your immune system has been compromised. You're, do, you're doing much too much. And then there's the, there are various other added stress levels. You're a new parent. Various things are going on. I would suggest, I'll just mention this. Years ago, I had fibromyalgia in 97. And it is one of the most debilitating diseases known to me. Now, I'm a retired teacher, so obviously there were many, many stresses in my life at that time. And I had been involved in a, um, an accident of sorts, not my fault, where my my I wasn't able to take care of myself as much as I wanted to. And so my immune system was compromised. And what happens is uh, when you're under stress like that, the mitochondria in your cells are dying. That's what fibromyalgia is all about. So I went to a famous doctor in New York, a Dr. Michael Schachter. Brilliant. He's in NIAC. He's still practicing. Uh, he worked with Atkins years ago, and uh, he was president of the Alternative Medicine Doctors Association. Anyway, went to Dr. Um, Schachter, and it was his physician's assistant who said to me, take emergency. Well, usually I don't listen all the time, but I did in the circumstance because I was, as I said, very ill, and I knew it. And uh, it was like the last ditch effort. Anyway, the point is, I listened. You can't take one packet when you're under stress. I took two to three a day. And because it's powdered, it's C- electrolytes, and vitamins. It's a brilliant combination. And many people have recovered from various illnesses because of emergency. Well, you
1: know, know. I've been, and and thank you, uh, Andrea, I've been taking a lot of vitamin C. I've been taking it mostly in the form of These chewable Airborne tablets. Airborne is basically the same thing as Emergency. It's just a different brand name. It's just basically the same thing. It's just concentrated vitamin C. A book that I did enjoy was George Beebe's book and uh, had more American policymakers read that book. Maybe we could have avoided some of the trouble that we're in these days. But uh, before we get to George Beebe, we're going to give you an opportunity to win a $1,000. Be the seventh caller right now. To 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And if you are the seventh caller, you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. Answer them correctly. You'll win $1,000. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
11: WABC.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, We're going to talk with George Beebe in just a minute. Hopefully we can give $1,000 away before we talk with him, uh, because it's time for...
0: The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank.
1: Thank you, Chris Libertini. Let's meet today's contestant, Paul in Monroe, New Jersey. Uh, and it's not a trivia question, but who knows, in a future uh, game it might be. Monroe, of course, named for President James Monroe. Paul, uh, thanks for tuning in this morning and listening. Uh,
12: good morning, Frank.
1: Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, it's actually Monroe, New York. Well, oh, I'm, oh, Monroe, uh, New York. Monroe, New oh, oh. Very, very interesting. it's a whole new ball game. I had no idea I was talking to someone who has the ability to pump their own gas. This is exciting all right um you you're familiar with the game right paul?
12: Yes, I am. I've heard it before.
1: All right. the timer will begin after I ask the first question. If,
12: Frank, do me a yeah. favor, can you take it easy on me? I'm not a
31: professional we, like some of these other people that call. I'm just a uh carpenter, I New think, York City carpenter. Oh
1: well thank you. Uh you're you're you are a professional and uh uh you, we we whether you win or not, I may have to get your uh get your information because we always need some carpentry. All right, you ready to go? Sounds
13: good. Yeah okay. I
1: ready. The timer will start after I ask the first question. If you get a question right, I'm just gonna move on to the next one. What day is generally marked by pulling pranks on friends in April.
7: April Fool's Day.
1: What Star Trek captain turned 91 yesterday?
31: Captain Kirk, William Shatner.
1: What is the only American state that begins with the letter P? Pennsylvania. The fear referred to as arachnophobia indicates a fear of what? Spiders. Which country is Prague in?
31: Czechoslovakia.
1: We'll give you that. It's the Czech Republic. We'll give it to you. Which boxer was known as the greatest and the people's champion? Muhammad Ali. Which horoscope sign has a crab? Uh, Scorpio. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is cancer cancer. Uh, you did well, you though. Got you got
31: on, on the stuff.
1: You got up to question seven. You did well. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm good with the horoscope stuff. Neither am I, but you had a one out of 12 shot. I'm going to put you on hold. Give your information to Philippe. We're going to send you a consolation prize, and uh, hopefully you'll keep listening, and if you didn't get a chance to call in today and play, you'll get a chance tomorrow. All right. Uh, it is my great pleasure to welcome a gentleman who who knows so much about Russia and tried to warn the American people and American policymakers about Russia, and one wonders had we heeded those warnings in his book The Russia Trap two years ago if we'd be in a better position than we are today. Uh, George Beebe is vice president and director of studies at the Center for the National Interest. In addition to being the author of the book uh, The Russia Trap, he has spent more than two decades in government service as a diplomat, as an intelligence analyst, a policy advisor. He was the uh, director of the CIA's Russia Analysis Unit, and he was also a special advisor to Vice President Cheney for Russia and, uh, and Eurasia issues. George, uh, it is always a great treat to talk with you. Thanks for getting up early. Thanks, Craig. All right. Um, let me begin with, uh, I mean, obviously, we've seen the images on our television, civilians being forced to leave their homes, uh, people on both sides being killed. It's just a, an unspeakable tragedy. Uh, you wrote a column in the National Interest a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was really interesting. Through the prism of hindsight, do you think all of this was preventable, and what would we have had to do in order to prevent it?
31: Well, I I do think it was preventable, uh, and it's an enormous tragedy that we're in the situation that we are, uh, both for the Ukrainian people and and for the world. But um, I think what had to be done was to find some kind of compromise, um, and uh, that compromise would have had to have involved an agreement that Ukraine will be uh, neither Russia's nor the West's, that it would be officially neutral and it would extract Ukraine from this geopolitical tug of war that has been going on for quite some time between uh, NATO and Russia. Um, it's something that uh, I think uh, if this war is going to end without uh, you know, either Russia or Ukraine completely capitulating, Um, it will have to involve Ukrainian neutrality. Uh, The Ukrainians are now saying that they're prepared to contemplate that should they be given adequate security guarantees. And I think that's something that we should have been discussing prior to this invasion, and it might well have headed this off.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, How would you grade the Biden administration's job handling this crisis thus far?
31: Well, I think in one sense, they've done a good job in that they have maintained the unity of the NATO alliance through all of this, which is no small feat. Um, they have also been very wise in recognizing that the big threat we face here is being sucked into a direct war with Russia, which would be very much prone to escalation, uh, even to the nuclear level. Uh, President Biden has been consistent in saying that he does not want to take steps that threaten that kind of escalation into what he calls World War Three. And I think he's quite wise to do that. Uh, That said, I think uh, he has also been very resistant to uh, negotiating with the Russians on this question of NATO enlargement into Ukraine. Um, that has been Russia's key demand uh, for actually decades, not just weeks or months on this. And it's also been something that the Biden administration has refused to discuss. So um, he's done well in some areas, but I think poorly in others.
1: So yesterday I had read that uh, Zelensky was basically talking openly about swearing off NATO membership if it meant bringing an end to this conflict. Is that the way that you think we get out of this?
31: Well, that has to be part of it. Um, It's not by itself adequate to settling this war now. Uh, It might have worked prior to the invasion, but once blood starts being spilled, emotions run quite high. Um, Both sides have strong incentives to come away from this conflict with some sense of victory. Um, so, I think if uh, if this is going to be settled, yes, Ukrainian neutrality has to be a part of it, uh, but there also have to be some other things that are going to be very hard for the sides to agree on. Uh, Ukraine needs security guarantees that it's not going to be subject to this kind of an invasion again. and. What those look like are going to be difficult to negotiate because the Ukrainians aren't simply going to take Russia's word for it that they won't do this again. They're going to need some sort of involvement on the part of the West, and the Russians are going to be very sensitive to what that looks like. Um, the uh, The Russians are going to need the United States and Europe to ease these economic sanctions that we have imposed, maybe not lift them altogether, but significantly reduce them. And I think there's going to be a lot of political pressure in the West not to do that. Um, And the West, I think, to agree to something here is also going to need the Russians to agree to reparations of some kind for the damage that they have inflicted on Ukraine. That's going to be a difficult thing for the Russians to agree to. And then finally, we've got the status of eastern Ukraine. Uh, The Crimea, which the Russians annexed in 2014, but neither the West nor Ukraine has recognized as as legitimately part of Russia, and the Donbass region, uh, much of which the Russians now occupy, but significant portions of which are still in Ukrainian hands, and the question of what happens to Donbass— Uh, Does Ukraine recognize it as no longer part of Ukrainian territory? And if so, where is that new boundary between the the remnants of the Ukrainian state and the Donbass drawn? So these are all things that are going to have to be addressed.
1: We saw over the weekend uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, sort of publicly call out Israel and the prime minister of Israel, Naftali Bennett. He, um, re, you know, uh, reproached Israel for not giving Ukraine Iron Dome technology. He took issue with Bennett trying to be a mediator uh, between Ukraine and Russia without taking Ukraine's side in the mediation. And he even invoked the Holocaust. Uh, did you think that those remarks uh, from Zelensky on Sunday inappropriate?
31: Well, Zelensky um, obviously is in a very difficult position. Uh, he is fighting for Ukraine's national survival, quite literally. Um, And what he is trying to do is uh, to use all of his uh, persuasive powers to try to bring other countries to Ukraine's defense. Uh, He's doing that with the United States. He's doing it with Europe. Uh, He's doing it with Israel as well. Uh, One of the things that Ukraine needs is effective air defense uh, against superior Russian air force. Uh, And the Iron Dome system, of course, is one that looks quite attractive and and could, in principle, uh, help Ukraine. But Israel um, can't simply deliver that uh, by itself. Uh, It's one that was developed in conjunction with the United States. It would also require some technical help, advisors, people that can train and assist uh, the Ukrainians in how to use it. Um, And so Zelensky is is trying to, in one sense, shame Israel into trying to uh, side with Ukraine on all of this. Israel has its own national interests that are at stake here. It doesn't want to get in the middle of all of this. It It has had for many years now very constructive relations with Russia. Uh, It doesn't want to have Russia be its enemy for a variety of reasons. So um, Israel thinks its interests are best served by ending this war, by finding a way to reach a negotiated settlement.
1: Well, isn't everybody's Uh, best interest by ending this war through a negotiated settlement? Israel, Russia, Ukraine, the United States, everybody?
31: Well, I believe that's true, yes. Uh, But not everyone agrees with that. Uh, There are some people that believe that the way out of this situation is not through a compromise settlement where everyone saves face to some degree. There are those that believe that the only way out of this is Russia's capitulation and defeat. Um, And that uh, they envision either happening on the battlefield or uh, over the longer term, if there's a stalemate on the battlefield, that Russia will eventually wear down. That uh, its economy will stagnate and fail, that political resistance inside Russia uh, will rise as more and more people grow unhappy over what has happened on the battlefield and um, are unhappy with the economic conditions that they face as a result of sanctions. so there there is a school of thought that thinks that we need to be patient here. Uh, to continue to provide Ukraine with sufficient forces to defend itself, to to stave off a Russian victory, and that over time Russia will start to falter, much like the Soviet Union did uh, after its debacle in Afghanistan. I think this is a mistaken view, but there are certainly a lot of people out there that believe in it.
1: What about the uh, Polish um, initiative to give the Ukrainian Air Force MiGs that would require American assistance in transporting these, uh, these uh, fighter jets from Poland to Ukraine. In your view, is Biden doing the right thing by resisting those calls?
31: Yes, I think he is. Um, there is a, a high potential that uh, Russia and the United States could wind up in some sort of direct military clash. This could happen in a lot of different ways. But, of course, one of them would be if the United States uh, gets more directly involved in providing uh, military assistance to Ukraine. Uh, The Russians have said that uh, Western military supplies and supply lines to Ukraine are legitimate military targets. And they've already been striking uh, depots inside Ukraine in the Western parts of Ukraine that are the recipients of this Western military aid. Uh, what happens, for example, if one of those supply lines is struck and uh, actual NATO military personnel are killed in that, uh, that could have a catalytic effect in the West on um, how the West will respond to Russia. A lot of pressure already has been going on politically to uh, impose no-fly zones, for example, uh, over Ukraine. You can't do that sort of thing without directly tangling with the Russian Air Force, without striking Russian air defense units so um, th-
1: these calls a, for a,
31: you're now in a direct war
1: th- these calls for a no fly zone then w- would be short sighted and dangerous for the same reasons
31: well, I think that's exactly right um a no fly zone is not a gentleman's agreement not to fly in certain airspace a no fly zone is a military act it's an active force that actually shoots down Russian air force that fly over uh the no-fly zone area. It it actively uh, suppresses Russian uh, surface-to-air missile units inside Russia and in, and in Belarus. Um, that, that is an act of war, and in all likelihood, the Russians would have to respond militarily to that. You're now in a scenario where um, NATO forces – uh, or, or U.S. forces are at war with the Russians. That's a very perilous situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what, if people are just tuning in, with talking with George Beebe. Uh, if you want a, a great understanding of some of the issues we're dealing with now, uh, please check out his book, The Russia Trap, How Our Shadow War with Russia Could Spiral into Catastrophe. This was precisely one of the catastrophes that uh, George mentions and warns about in his book, but there are several others. Was it a mistake, do you think, for uh, President Biden to repeatedly say publicly that a Russian invasion of Ukraine was imminent, or did that warning from the administration play no role at all in terms of what happened afterwards?
31: Well, um, I don't think that that actually provoked the invasion. No. Um, The Biden administration has released intelligence reports that would normally stay classified. Uh, And I think the hope was that by releasing these reports, it would uh, complicate Russian military plans and in one sense, shame the Russians into not following through. Uh, it's debatable whether this complicated Russia's military planning or not. But obviously, Russia has not been shamed into holding back. Um, and, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, it's a it's a matter for historians at some distant point in the future to look back on this and, and see what actually happened and to what degree this release of intelligence was a factor affecting Russia. Uh, Russian decision making. Right now, I think it's fair to say that all of the deterrent measures that the United States has undertaken to this point have failed to prevent this invasion.
1: In terms of the the things that Putin says he wants in order to stop this war, he's mentioned acknowledging Russian control of Crimea, acknowledging the independence of the two Donbass republics, uh, demilitarization. And uh not a pledge not to join any international organizations, presumably groups like the, the European Union and NATO. Now, if we get to that through negotiation and let's say it's a settlement that's uh, mediated by Biden or Bennett or whomever, and it results in, you know, no more war. And that's where we end up. Is it dangerous to give Putin what he wants? Would that embolden him if he gets what he wants? to go do this to some other country.
31: Well, that's exactly the argument that a lot of people make in all of this, that this is akin to Hitler in World War II. And the one thing you don't do to to somebody with with those sorts of grandiose uh, global ambitions is to try to appease him, because that only whets his appetite for further conquest. And you hear this today uh, with people that say, you know, if we give in on Ukraine, next will be Poland or the baltic states and and maybe even the United States itself you know and a few years ago you actually heard this from from senior American uh, government officials where they said you know we're fighting Russia in Ukraine you know back in you know 2019 um, so that we don't have to fight Russia here in the United States uh, and and I think this is actually a gross exaggeration um, I don't believe that Putin has plans to invade other parts of Europe. And and the resistance that the Russian military has been facing inside Ukraine and the difficulties that it has had in advancing very quickly there, I think show the limits of what Russia is really capable of. Uh, Russian tanks are not going to be rolling into Belgium if, if uh we find some sort of settlement uh, in Ukraine.
1: In terms of, uh, we heard a lot over the weekend about hypersonic missiles. Have the Russians, in fact, used hypersonic missiles? What are hypersonic missiles and how much of a game changer is that?
31: Well, um, hypersonic missiles are missiles that travel at, at very, very high velocity and are very difficult for air defense systems to shoot down. Um, and they don't travel with ballistic trajectories, with, with high arcs you know, up into the atmosphere and, and then back down. So they, they, they travel closer to the ground at high speeds with maneuverability. Uh, what's significant, I think, in the Russian use of this, is that they were able to strike uh, protected underground facilities in western Ukraine that were built during the Soviet period uh, to be resistant to nuclear attack. Uh, Back in the old days, the only way you could destroy these sorts of deep underground facilities was with nuclear warheads. Uh, But what the Russians have done in this case is to use a conventional uh, warhead with this hypersonic uh, delivery vehicle to destroy this deep underground facility in western Ukraine. Uh, and it was a recipient of Western military aid. And, and the thought on the part of the Ukrainians, I think, was that uh, these Western military supplies would be safe, they would be secure in this deep underground facility. And the Russians have, have shown no. We can strike this. We can do it without nuclear weapons. Um, We have an arsenal here that is quite significant. So part of this was to show their ability to strike a specific military objective. Part of it was to send a signal to Ukraine in the West that uh, the Russians have a technical capability here that's quite formidable and that the Ukrainian government ought to take this into account in thinking about a settlement.
1: Uh, on that note, George, uh, we're uh, actually going to have to end it there. I very much appreciate the time this morning. I always learn so much from you, and I'm, I'm grateful that you, uh, when you're so in demand, as you are these days, you'll get up early and chat with us. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. It's George Beebe, author of the book The Russia Trap. We'll do 15 seconds of fame next if you want to be heard on any issue. Now's the time. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Straight ahead.
0: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, we have just about made it through this show. We'll do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. So I got the word from El Capitan, our boss, John Katsimatidis. He said he will be in uh, in the 6 o'clock hour to go on Bernie and Sid's show. He said go home at 5 o'clock and get some rest. So that's what I'm going to do. Got the word from John. I don't feel bad uh, going going home after the show and uh, trying to get some rest. And hopefully coming back tomorrow, 10 rested and ready feel like I, I kind of faked my way through this show, right? I don't think it was a bad show at all. You know? Um, you know, it's like, uh, well, you know, I, th- I think we, uh, really thanks to you, the callers, and the great guests that we had as well. Especially Dominic Rita and, um, uh, George, George Beebe. I mean, it's easy when you have guests like them. All right. Time now for 15 seconds of fame.
0: The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame.
1: John is in the Bronx.
9: Yes, uh, a lemon and uh put it in
12: water, squeeze all the juice out, lemon juice, soak into your
1: throat. It's natural vitamin C, and it'll heal your throat. Frank in Coney Island. Don't <laughs> the blue dress, do the blue dress, do the
24: blue dress. God, suck
1: it to me. <laughs> Jerry in Rockland County. Just in case Frank the Cook is listening, I want
30: to thank him again for cooking that steak perfectly, yet he refused to take half the tip
1: that he really deserved. Mike in Montclair. Good morning, Frank.
25: Frank, in regard to your throat woes, maybe like George Costanza, your tonsils might be growing back. I feel better.
1: Al in Manhattan.
9: Frank it's in the can. it's a good take. Listen, pray for Bernie, pray for the people you
1: think, and take the tea. And, with Kira and Honey. And finally, Charlie Finch from the East Village.
9: Donald Trump should fly tonight to Moscow with Hunter Biden, get a ceasefire from Putin. I love the Ukrainians. I love peace, and I love Bobby
1: Watlington. Thank you, Charlie Finch. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. I'll be back at 1 a.m. Stay tuned for the WBC Early News. Frank Marino. good day.